Well, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us again. Um, this is John and Nick, and this is the next installment of what we've de determined to be called a conversation. And um, tonight, it's it's going to be fitting to call it a conversation because we're not the only two people in the room. Uh, we have a couple people that I'm proud to call friends uh, joining us tonight, and. Um, they're going to tell their story uh, here a little bit later about their their beautiful daughter, Maeve, who unfortunately has the, a very similar story to Leah. Um, but again, so we're here to talk about um, about our Leah, and we're here to, tonight to talk about um, Shane and Veronica's Maeve. Um, and you know something we we've, we've touched on and nick and i have touched on is the we we refer to it as our support group or our online group with um infant um mortality and, and or i mean early infant mortality stillborn and and miscarriage and we've just we just called it our our group but what it what it actually is is it's an organization that's called rachel's gift um and Rachel's gift was founded by a wonderful lady whose name is Lori Beth. Um, in 2006, about Christmas time, Lori Beth was in a horrible car accident in the Atlanta area. And unfortunately, her daughter Rachel um, did not survive the accident. She was, Lori Beth was 32 weeks pregnant at the time. And the accident was so bad that it took them over an hour to extricate her from the car. And by the time they got to the hospital, um, Rachel still had a heartbeat and they were able to hear on the monitor, but she, she slowly faded and, and Lori, Lori Beth heard her, her daughter fade from this world into the next. But, but through that, um, Rachel's gift was born. It took a, it took a few years and, and, and she has a nonprofit now and it's a, wonderful organization that's based in McDonough, Georgia. And um, until COVID, it was a local program that, that Rachel's gift is, is in several hospitals. I think she said 63 today, so 63 hospitals. And what it is, it's a training program for the nursing staff and for the hospitals to how to approach patients that are in the situation that we're in. And they have signs that they put on the door that that essentially notify all the nursing staff and um, radiologists or lab people or anybody else that this that this room is different than the other rooms in the hospital right now, and and you need to approach this room in that manner. And but Rachel's gift also puts together packages for the parents to be able to go home with, with resource material, um, with a with a little dress or a suit that are handmade, and blankets that are donated, and bears and. But it was just a, it's just a wonderful organization. I, I'm not trying to plug them. They do, uh, they do take donations though. It's a 501c3 nonprofit, so please do. We donate. I'm, I'm proud to say that we're fortunate enough to donate monthly, and that will continue <laughs> probably as long as I'm alive. So, but um, but anyway, so so this this group was was just a local group with. I really don't honestly know how many members, but I would say in the maybe twenties, maybe 20 members. And they, and they met monthly locally in the McDonough, Georgia area. But since COVID, one of the only good things that's came of COVID, 
especially for us. Um, if you hear any little whining there, they have a they have an awesome dog Sadie, and she's behind me, and I'm her new best friend. <laughs> so, um, yeah, come on, you go lay down. Okay, so since COVID started, they decided that they were going to make this an online resource. And, and then they started to open it up to people farther away in the, in the Atlanta area. And then there's people in New York and Michigan and Florida, us in Arizona. There's um, some people from California and there's a couple that are Dutch and German that live in Portugal that are part of this now that get up at midnight on a Thursday to join our group online. But this has just connected us worldwide to know that we're not fucking alone. I can be in a room of a million people and I'm alone. I can be in the car with Nick and I'm alone. It's, it's the most isolating thing you're, that I hope none of you ever have to deal with. But so that, so, so anyway, so, so through this group, um, Nick and I have really connected with a couple of the couples in the group. Um, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but the couple in Portugal, we, we have a very special relationship with, and we have a, a growing relationship with a couple in the, in the Pensacola area. And, but with Shane and Veronica, it was like instant. The, our, their, one of their first groups that they were part of was the night that I spoke and told Leah's story. And then a couple weeks later was the first time that we went out into, into a breakout session and just had four or five couples or four or five moms or dads or whoever happens to be in the room that night just break down and talk themselves without the counselor leading it. The counselor gives us some topics and then we go through it. And Shane and Veronica were in our, in our first breakout group that night. And, um, it's just one of those, and you, you've all had it, where you just have somebody you meet and you're like, yep, we're going to be friends. So uh, about a month ago, Nick and I were talking and it was like, God, it'd be really nice to meet some of these people. And, you know, when COVID's getting better and we're going to be able to get our shot and and I'm basically ready to be a covid and we're going to travel. So I propositioned Shane and Veronica, who live in the Atlanta area, if they wanted to have some some warm weather friends come visit them. Uh, and I say that because yesterday it was 48 port and Nick and I froze. Um, but we came and joined them down here in the Atlanta area for the weekend. And they have asked if they could tell their story. Um, I don't know how much of their story they're going to be able to tell. And I know everybody that listens to this that knows us will be respectful of that. And I hope everyone that's listening that doesn't know us is also respectful of it. You can only begin to fathom the energy and effort it takes to do this and to have this conversation and to, and to bear your soul. Um, Nick and I know, we don't know all their story. We know a lot of it, but it's not my story to tell. And, and even though they're here in the room, it's not my story to tell. So, um, if you guys are ready, I will let you tell Maeve's story. So, my name is Shane. This is Veronica. Hi. And <laughs> uh, I'm just going to start from the beginning when Veronica and I met. Um, so, 
I was going to work that day. I was talking with a friend of mine, that, a co-worker there. Um, this is on June 6, uh, 2011. Yes, June 6, 2011 was when I met Veronica. I didn't know I was going to meet my wife that day at the beginning of the day. I had just gotten out of um, a relationship and was just kind of tired with um, dating. So I uh, was just thinking in my head as I was walking to uh, the area where we have our meetings in the morning. And I thought to myself, oh, man, I'm just done. I am fed up with this. I just need to hang out with some friends and not worry about anything. And I immediately panicked because the what I had heard was that the moment that you stop looking and stop trying and you basically say, that's enough, I'm just going to be um, taking care of myself or, or something like that, and you hit a point in your life, and then the next woman that you meet will be your wife. So then my friend, uh, while I was thinking this in my head, my friend turns to me and says, oh, by the way, we just hired this new girl that's in here today. Her name is Veronica. I'll introduce you guys. And so in my head, I thought, okay, well, that's that's my wife. I'm going to meet my wife in a second. I just laughed and said, nah, whatever. I'm being silly. So then I turned the corner and looked at Veronica, my wife now. Uh, I just looked at her face and I kind of knew then. And, uh, and I thought, well, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> so we dated for a while. Um, we, we dated for close to, we dated from 2011 until 2017. And, well, 17 is when we got married. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we got married in 2017. And uh, in July 22nd. 2017. So we've been together um, at that point over six years. A little over six years. Yeah. Um, but um, so shortly after we got married, we decided that we were both looking for jobs and ended up moving to Georgia. And we found, I'm just leaving some of it out. Yeah. So. Well, go ahead. Well, so in the process of, of us moving to Georgia, um, we had graduated. I had graduated from graduate school, um, and Shane had graduated the year before from graduate school. Um, and we we're so we we're both looking for jobs. And I got a. We were originally from Tennessee, and I got a job in Middle Tennessee, and uh, Shane got a job opportunity down in Georgia. Um, so. Our decision was, do we, do we take this opportunity in Georgia and stay apart while, uh, until December or uh, from October to December, or do we um, look for more opportunities? And Shane's opportunity came with insurance, so therefore we moved, he moved to Georgia. Um, he, uh, as we like to say, he hated his job just a little bit less than I did. Um, I loved what I was doing. I just didn't like where I was doing it at. It just wasn't a good fit. No. Not that mine was either. No. But we had insurance, <laughs> so we went with uh, 
that position, it paid a little better, and so we ended up in Georgia. But that time in between there was horrible. We We thought this was the hardest thing we would ever go through, is being separated like that. Because we had done it throughout college, we had been separated, but we were married. We our plan. We, we had, lived in different cities. So yeah, we would. But we were there only an hour and a half apart when we were then. This was four hours in two different time zones. So um, you couldn't make the trip in a day. Yeah. Well, well, you couldn't you make couldn't trip go there, there and back easily in a day. Yeah. Uh, without changing all of your plans. Yeah. But. I mean, we still, we did every weekend like we did in college and, um, had. Yes, but it was different. We had gotten married, we lived together, and I didn't think it was going to be different when I accepted the position. We thought, we've done this before, it's the same. Yeah, and it was just heart-wrenching being at the apartment. I always refer to it as the apartment because because home was was where Veronica was at. Back in Middle Tennessee. Well, it was where you were at. Yeah, so, which was that <laughs> Yes, and uh, so uh, Veronica moved down there with me after uh, a little while. We decided that was the, the just, best way forward at the time. And, uh, and, and we think, I mean, we thank God every day for the opportunities that, that he brought Shane down here for an awful job that... Um, had insurance, paid good, but was was never going to be, it never fulfilled his soul. Um, and um, when we moved down here, I got my dream job um, after two years of working uh, part time for him. But uh, with the with a group of people that I can't imagine not having now um, that if supported us through a lot um, and, and through this process too. Um, but Shane got the opportunity to perform, to do what he wanted to, 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 to his whole. So since I can talk about yeah. my side of that, Pete, um, I used to know this guy that I worked with and it was a cool position and I would, just ask him, like, you know, just be chatting and say, hey, man, how's it going? And he would respond, um, I, you know, just living the dream. And at the time, I didn't know that he was serious. I thought he was joking. And he was loving his job and enjoyed it, and it was great for him. Now I'm in a position where while I don't make a lot of money, I love work and I look forward to going in and I get to do things that are fun and I get to work with people who are interesting and um, and so now when in relation to my job I'm living the dream it's a it's a great position we should pay a little more but everybody (laughs) does and uh, I have no intentions of leaving anytime soon and uh, but the, the whole reason why we took this lower paying job was because it fulfilled the purpose that you wanted, yes. which was um, the, his previous job didn't have this purpose. This, this job gave the purpose of 
I mean, for lack of a better word, making change in the world. Which I know as a millennial, that's what, you know, well, all millennials want. But but it was the it was the difference of like trying to make a difference and trying to make things better. I guess. Is that kinda I think you're going into a little, little bit. too, too little too hippy dippy. Yeah, I, what I can say is I love my job. I love what I do. I think that it is helpful to not just me. I think it helps a lot of people in certain ways, and uh, everything that we do is to improve some things. And, and I'm just keeping it vague. I'm not going into, de- into any details, but I love my job. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but anyways. So, so, I mean, it, there's, I guess all that comes down to is that we came to Georgia for crappy reasons and stayed in Georgia for, for good ones. So we, we go into those details just specifically to kind of highlight a couple things, but um, to illustrate, we were waiting to have kids. Yeah. Um, we wanted to be in stable jobs. In positions that we... Um, and that we loved and that we thought we could raise kids in that it would not be us coming home dreading what we were doing and, and showing our kids like, you know, we wanted it to be, this is what mom and dad do. And, you know, you come with us, you see what we do. You, you experience this too. You, you learn, you see what differences we're making and, and you try to make the differences in your own way, I guess. Um, so I'll, I'll jump to the point of we had been in a relationship for nine years. We met in 2011. We mm-hmm. more or less knew that we were going to get married shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kept on as, asking as for much as you can, can know and think that. And then at one point, go through that but we were very uh, fortunate and deliberate with our choice of waiting to have children and and it wasn't like we didn't want children before this it was just we always wanted children we weren't we we wanted we wanted everything to line up perfectly i'm slightly perfectionist in things so. so we always had an excuse or a reason not to you know, clearly, before you're married, you try not to. And we got married, and then we lived in different states, and then we, you know. Then two, I was working part-time jobs. and Two months later, we were living together, finally, and we had positions. And then eventually things lined up to the point where we had good jobs, steady jobs. Uh, there was no reason that any of us should lose a job anytime soon we could work these jobs for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. and retire with um and be happy with it and and be happy not you know not filthy rich or whatever but <laughs> within the means that we live now yeah and so eventually we didn't have any excuse not to have kids not to try well and we, we were we were joking about this earlier you know it was it was the for the last, I say, year was we weren't trying to have kids, but we weren't not trying to have kids. Um, we decided to s- so stop removing 
certain barriers. Put <laughs> it that way. Yeah, well, we stopped not trying to have kids, and then... And then, so, in in, in March of, of 2020, um, we both, both of our jobs are jobs which, due to the pandemic, we were moved, well, we were, we were shut down for two weeks, um, and then we were moved virtually um, from, from then until about August. Um, and so, in March, as, as many of us in March probably felt like, you know, this we'd been through SARS, we'd been through um, swine flu, been through all these other pandemics that, you know, they lasted, but they weren't significant. Um, so we thought coronavirus was just not going, it was, it was serious. Like it wasn't that we didn't take it seriously. It was just, we, we didn't expect it to last this long. We underestimated the uh, depth of it, I suppose. As almost everybody did, I feel like. I mean, I mean, maybe not, but I. Anyways, it just uh, was. It I mean it just wasn't expected. Okay. So uh, I guess it was. So we had our two week break off, um, and then we were on hybrid, uh, and so in that time frame. We, we decided that, I guess, this was the time to stop not trying. We, we started talking and decided that, okay, well, um, it took, we don't know how long it'll take for us to have children at this point, so let's try. And, so, and everyone we'd ever talked to, friends, family, it was always months, sometimes years, mm -hmm. um, you know, so we expected months at minimum um we were wrong no <laughs> so, so the first month the first like we basically it took two tries and we were pregnant and in so, april of 2020 around around this time it was the around the, the 20th 15th something mm -hmm. around there um that we got pregnant and uh, on, so it was on May 3rd, we, we already knew, but I mean, there was every sign there was, but on May 3rd, we had our positive pregnancy test. Um, yes. And we were elated and we were scared and it so was excited a shock. <laughs> and we're all of a sudden like, oh my God, we're pregnant. Yeah. What are we going to do? Like, um, are we stupid? Like it was, it was like one of those things where it was like everything was just lining up perfectly for for us in our in our in our normal lives. So um, it was just crazy to 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 think that uh, we were excited. Yeah. So, um, so then we started planning things out, and yeah. So um, we went we to, I mean, we had I my my OBGYN was still in Tennessee, and he had retired now. So uh had to find a new OBGYN office, which uh, being that we didn't want to tell anybody right away was kind of difficult because um, you, you couldn't, it felt weird to ask people for advice on it because we were at the age that the people were getting pregnant and I didn't want anyone to, to assume and know yet. Um, I didn't want to give out any clues. Yeah. Um, 
And I mean, we were playing Zoom trivia every Saturday, and we we've been doing it now every for for a year. Um, but uh, with friends um, from my job, and so we even you know made sure that. So if I had a beer, she'd have some grape juice in a pint glass. Yeah, right. Or, or I'd have or some rather apple a virgin juice. daiquiri, or, or or you know, and so like, and it was we, easy because we were behind a camera. Um, nobody could see the growing belly uh, the entire the entire time. Um, so finding a doctor. Yeah. So I mean, we we found our doctor and you know went in and. Um, you know, they confirmed, so because this was the beginning of COVID, this was in May when we went, um, we went at nine weeks. So I guess it was it May or might've been June, but it could have been closer to June. Um, now I um, but Shane couldn't go in. Um, so due to COVID, uh, protocols. So, I was, I, we had crappy phones at the time and I thought I could record, um, the video of the ultrasound, um, and the heartbeat for him, but due to hospital policies, that was not allowed. Um, so Shane, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people that got pregnant during the pandemic have, have definitely experienced the dad's being left out and that's a constant talk we have at Rachel's <laughs> um, but uh, so you know I'm I'm seeing Maeve for the first time um, and I mean we got her you know pictures and stuff but it's not the same um, I'm hearing the heartbeat and I, and I can't I can't get my phone to work because there's no there's no service in the room we're in because of the way the hospital's built. So I can't even call him. Like, I can't get him on. They're like, oh, you can use, you know, uh, a video chat thing. I'm like, my phone doesn't, my phone doesn't have an app for it. And my phone was so, I say old, it was like, you know, three years old. It wasn't that old, but it just wasn't in good shape. So, uh, so you found a way you called me or that wasn't at that appointment. No. So, well, so at our, at our second appointment was when I was go back. Then. Okay. Back to the first appointment. Yeah, Sorry. And say that, um, Veronica came out and showed me a little picture of this, um, as my sister called it, Ooh, peanut baby. Yeah. And so, uh, both arms, both legs, little, mm -hmm. little, little bubble. Um, yeah. So we had a little peanut baby and we went, and took a little walk afterwards. Oh, we we took a like long walk. We went to a local park. It was probably and uh, three miles, and we did that regularly. Yeah, so we we hiked throughout the entire pregnancy, but uh, that was our first hike with with Maeve, um, and it was flat the most most of the way, flat as Georgia gets. Um, and uh, so we celebrated and talked and walked. And had our little dog Sadie with us and just, um, <clears throat> and planned out, you know, how long we would wait to tell family. And, and I, I'm very, don't, uh, count your chickens before you hatch person. And so I, I wanted to make sure we at least made it to, to 12 weeks before we, 
we told them because I, I didn't want to get everybody's hopes up and then um, have to explain the news that, you know, our, our child was gone. Um, so uh, we waited until Father's Day. Uh, we went up Father's Day weekend. Um, and it was really only supposed to be the parents. Like, it was only supposed to be the parents. We weren't going to tell siblings. Um, I have one sister. Shane's got one sister and two brothers. So, um, what week were we at at that point? We were at, like, 11 weeks in, like, a so, couple days. So, we were right around. We were, we had just, we, I think, no, no, we might have been 12, we might have been right after 12 weeks. So I can't right remember if it was 12. right really right before or right after twelve weeks that we did, um, because um, so, I know the previous appointment I had asked, and we had hesitation about doing Father's Day, but it but it worked because it was an easy way to surprise people. Right, so uh, the first people we told um, was my parents um, because this was their first grandchild, so. Um, we found a fun way to surprise them. Yeah. We, uh, Emma brought a little uh, gift bag and some other things, and I was... Because we had missed Mother... Well, we hadn't missed Mother's Day, but we didn't give my mother an actual present. So we told her it was her late Mother's Day present. Um, so, so because we figured that was an easy way to convince my mom to open a gift and not know what it is. Mm -hmm. And once she opened it, she found a onesie and... A peanut baby. And a baby book. Yeah, and a picture of Maeve. And a picture of Maeve. And, and my mom didn't believe it when she took the onesie out. She didn't believe it when she took the book out. And then she finally, I think, sort of sunk in when she saw the ultrasound. But yeah, um, she just kept saying, really? Yeah. That really? Was, it was a hundred times of, <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> You're not so kidding that, me. And you can see my dad in the background just like, this is a really bad joke. Like you, this is this is not a funny joke. <laughs> and then finally, he understood. Oh, oh, this is not a really, joke. <laughs> really? Okay, cool. Um, but um, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, after that, after a little while, we went and surprised my we, parents. Yeah, we we told your dad first, mm -hmm. and um, then we told my mom. And I really liked telling my mom. Yeah. Um, well. Telling my dad was fun too. Yes, yeah. we gave him a similar like gift. Well, no, stuff. no. The best part about that is that your dad has always asked for us for a grandchild, and mm -hmm. and uh, he, and Shane. And the first thing he says when he sees Shane is, "Is when are you gonna bring me home a grandbaby?" And Shane's like, "I don't know if that, that's." So this time I messed with him and was like, "I don't know if we're gonna do that. I don't know if that's." For us, but anyways, um, and then and then proceeds so, to give him a picture of Maeve. So I waited a little while and then gave him another a thing and uh, a little gift uh, bag, and he opened it. And his response after looking for looking at it, figuring out what it was, and then finally you see his eyes light up and he goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I think it was, "Oh damn!" And, it might have been "Oh shit," but it was it was it was hilarious, and he goes. Yeah. Well, well, what are you doing? Are you doing July 4th or J it was, uh, it July 4th? And I, he was so in shock. It shocked him <laughs> and he didn't understand how big Veronica was and was just confused by everything. He's like, 
when when is it due and when when are you due? And we said, oh, it'll be uh, oh, it'll be fireworks. It'll be fireworks. And he said July fourth, yeah. and this is like Father's Day at the time. Yeah, and it's like clearly Veronica's not. <laughs> clearly, I I look pregnant. really good for that pregnant. Um, <laughs> and and, and uh. And, and I, I gave him hell for it. I thought, no, New Year's, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so then we um, go tell my mom, and Veronica had the idea that we have um, 11, 11, nieces yeah, 11 nieces and nephews, uh, if you count everybody. And so we were like, okay, well, we'll just bring her a box of dozen donuts and just casually slip it in there. It's uh, Hey, here, uh, we brought you a dozen donuts for all of your grandchildren. One for each grandchild. Yeah. And so we did that. Mom didn't really hear me. She did, but did nothing like that registered, really. Yeah, she didn't really understand that there was 12 donuts representing yeah. 12 grandkids. I mean, we had another gift for her, too. Yeah. But and, that, and, and, and the, the best part is, is Frank, who is a stepdad, sitting on the chair facing the other direction. So he has no idea what's happening in the kitchen. He's not really even paying attention. No. He's watching something on TV. Yeah. I think a football game or something. I think it was basketball. I don't know. He's just watching something on TV, not really paying attention. And uh, then we give mom her gift bag with the onesie and mm-hmm. ultrasound on it. And mom pulls it out and just, and just like, starts crying. Just starts crying and has like, you know, her voice goes all squeaky and is like, so So then my stepdad didn't um, hear, so we got to surprise two people in the yeah. same room at different times. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I was just going to move forward to our next doctor's appointment. Yeah. Oh well. And so, so the whole thing was we we weren't going to tell the the siblings, like mm-hmm. our siblings, because you know I was like you know grandparents can know, but I'm, I'm not. I just want to make sure we make it a little mm-hmm. bit further. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom was like, "Well, I'm I can't keep a secret. I'm gonna tell Krista if you don't." Which so, that's his sister. So <laughs> she's so like, "You like, can't put that on me." I'm, like, you need to call her. <laughs> yeah, so we had to, so, you know, a couple hours after we had told them, we, we Zoom called his sister and, and told his sister. and She was, I don't know if she knew already or was nervous or what, but she just kind of had this little look, look on her face like, why are you making me call? Like, and, what's uh, the deal here? So um, we recorded all of yeah, all, was, all of them. That was fun. But um, we surprised Krista, told her, and then we're like, well, if Krista knows. Then you got to tell your we brothers. We might as well take a trip and tell so we, my two brothers. So we saw both of his brothers. and um, So it wasn't as, um, well, it was fun telling them as well, but yeah. not as fun as mom and you know, my parents and your parents. Yeah. And so I just kind of. Was hanging out with them and casually was like, "Oh, happy Father's Day!" and then waited about three seconds. Was like, "You're not gonna tell me the same thing." And uh, You're like, I'm not gonna tell you about your stupid dog. <laughs> not stupid like, dog, but <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, "Just because you have a dog doesn't mean I'm gonna tell you that." 
Yeah, and then didn't register. Yeah, so then you know, it always culminated with um, oh what? So you're a father, and I'm like, then I would show them the peanut baby, (laughs) and so that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So then we told my sister. My sister lives in another state, so we got her on Zoom, and um, you know got that recorded too and and you know told her and um her now husband um and um they were probably the most excited um so we had, so we told all of our family on father's day weekend all of my which was not all of our the immediate, plan <laughs> yeah. all of our immediate siblings were updated and new and uh it was fun telling uh Telling them and watching the different reactions. Uh, one of them that I told, their uh, little girl was listening in on the Zoom call, and this then is sister. and uh, so she, the little girl, got up, ran over there into the other room where other people were at, and was like, "Santa Veronica are having a baby." Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, uh, "So all the all the nephews." older nephews knew at that point we're like well and then she came casually strolling back into the screen like happy just like hey i told everybody for you (laughs) like thanks (laughs) um she is so sweet mm -hmm. so we can just uh well so i guess we'll i think at this point we'll just keep moving forward with uh go to the next doctor's appointment yeah the next so I think after I think that was the next doctor's appointment was where we did have new phones. Oh no, we had gotten new phones before Father's Day weekend, and so I had gotten to where I could video call you, and you could sort of listen to the heartbeat through the phone. But I mean, it wasn't that great um, quality. Um, it was fine, but I mean, it was it was more than what you'd had before then, um, and uh, so. I guess we could fast forward to 20 weeks. No, let's or, just go. So the next doctor. Sorry. Then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so lovely. So the next. The See next, why we all get along, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the next appointment um, was special because I have not heard Maeve's heartbeat yet. So, you know, the little boom, 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 boom. So, Veronica, I think, tried at one point, but I couldn't really hear it, but, so, she was there, they did the test and everything, and Veronica finally zoomed me, and then put the phone near it, and I actually could hear it. Uh, Before that, all all that I had, I didn't hear it great, but I could hear it, and it was staticky, but I could hear it, and then Veronica later told me, um, and maybe this was the other appointment too, but basically, oh, this is our heart rate. This is what yeah. it was at. So one of the things that I also did was I Googled that uh, heart rate. Uh-huh. And so I listened to um, yeah. the heart rate. Of, uh, yeah. It was 116. Mm-hmm. Around 116. So, so that was special. And... Um, I would have much rather have been there, but yeah. this is our, this was our, our first, first child. child. Yeah. 
But uh, so I didn't know exactly what I was missing. And we kind of did this. Uh, I don't know how many appointments you had between that and your 20 to 20 week one. But on week 20, I got to go in as well. Yeah. So that was the they, first appointment they allowed him mm-hmm. in. And we were told from the beginning if COVID protocols stayed the same as what they were when we when we started that that the only appointment he would be able to come to is the 20th and he could be at labor and delivery um, unless something went wrong. Um, then that was the only other time he could be there. Um, so I didn't know exactly what I was missing, but I also didn't. So I didn't care really because I was just ecstatic and happy to have Maeve. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, that's fine. I mean, I knew and it 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 sucked. <laughs> like to put it put it, you know, it was like every appointment I, I mean he drove every single appointment, he drove me to the hospital and sat in the parking lot. Um and you know if if they would have let me sneak him in, like put him in my pocket and just walk in, I would have like I would have done you know, whatever I could to, but I'm a rule follower, so we followed the rules. And, well, we were fine. We respected the rules. Um, I'll, I'll jump in here quick. You were, I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, we, we have the older four and we have one, two, three, four, but, but it was, it was different with Leah. Like I hadn't, I hadn't mm-hmm. got to be a, I've talked about this before. I've been a dad for a long time, but I hadn't got to be daddy in a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard Leah's heartbeat the day we found out we were pregnant. I heard it over the phone on her anatomy scan because I couldn't go in at 23. I couldn't go in. Oh. And I I heard it the I heard it the day we went to the hospital um, that night when it didn't change at all. And those are the only three times that I got to hear it. So I. I can only imagine what you felt because I, I did at least, I guess, I guess I knew what I was missing, mm-hmm. made it hard, but I, I think it had been really hard to have, to have not known what I was missing and just, just wanting so much to be part of it and having to look at it. I, I can think what 165 beats sounds like and like mm-hmm. I knew it in my head. Yeah. Anyways, I, sorry, I don't. No, no, I mean, that's... You're, you're saying some pretty valid stuff. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, so I, I had to Google what that was. Yeah. And, uh, and so yeah. leading up to that 20-week appointment, we wanted to do all the wise tales and had an Excel sheet um, of all the wise tales to, to see what gender we were having, which we... We decided not to find out yes, that day. Um, until, and... Uh, and we decided to let my sister be the one to tell us. And so we, uh, you know, had him put it in a little envelope and then shipped it to another state. And let um, her tell us that we're saying. No, no. So she shipped us back a thing of clothes from Bye Bye Baby and got all of our siblings and parents on a Zoom call um, and to open this gift from my sister and her husband. Um, and... Uh, and we, every wise tell was pretty much on, well, I mean, there's a few that said it before, but we always knew it was going to be a girl and we were hoping for a girl. 
Yeah, so from the moment that we found out that we were pregnant, um, I expected a girl. Yeah. And well, I was pretty confident that it was going to be a girl. I thought, well, I mean, it might be a boy. We've got, you know, we that's fine. We don't yeah. care. I, we would like to have a girl yeah. for whatever reason we wanted a little girl. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so we were not convinced, but we were just kind of like, I don't know. I think she's a girl. Yeah. And so whenever somebody would like, uh, your mom would say, I bet. I My bet. mom was convinced it was a boy. Yeah. Convinced. Even she told me, she's like, I even went out and bought a boy onesie because I was like, I know it's going to be a boy. And, um, and, and, you know, my sister was convinced it was a girl um, like us. And so I think. I don't remember if your sister had an opinion on it or not. Uh, I think she also thought it was a girl. So, so um, we'll we'll go back to the anatomy scandal. Yeah. And um, we get to the doctor, get to go in for the anatomy scan, and um, we walk in and get you hooked up and let them get started on the anatomy scan and that's the first time that I got to see Maeve on ultrasound in person and I was like transfixed focused laser beamed on that screen just like would not look away like a um, I feel like I look like puss in boots like looking (laughs) looking at that uh, ultrasound screen and that was um, and so, you know, I, I think back now, I think this is the first time I'll probably say this, but, uh, you know, we got extra time with me, um, in the ultrasound, um, room because, uh, she was being stubborn. She was being what we call a stinker. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she wouldn't move her hands out of front of her face, so they <laughs> couldn't get a profile. So, I mean, like, Shaked my stomach a hundred times. She uh, made me walk around, uh, go to the bathroom, um, and we eventually had to go do our our appointment and then come back to the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she finally, after more shaking, uh, yeah. But we got to see her a little bit longer, moving her hands and, yeah. and stuff like that, and that was. Nice, and we have a uh, a little ultrasound somewhere of her uh, sucking her thumb. sucking her thumb. Yeah. So that day, um, and a couple of others really carried us forward for a while, yeah. and just you know bouncing. Yeah. So, but I guess the next thing that happened was we. Did a we had the little gender reveal party thing, where we zoomed and opened our little care package from your sister, mm-hmm. letting us know whether we were having a boy or a girl, mm-hmm. and that was that was funny. <laughs> yeah, we uh, so my sister supposed she she did pay extra for the guy baby thing to have like a wrapping over it, so we. So she told us, she's like, 
I'm not sure what color the wrapping will be over the clothes. So don't like, you know, if it's one, you know, if it's a gender color, just go through it and like, Ignore just that look, and look just at the clothes. Take and, a second, on, I guess. And, and so we were expecting that and we open it and it wasn't there. So we're both like, it's not wrapped at all. And, and, and all so we're just is, like, is all this pink clothing there. And it, it took us a second. confused me yeah. for a second because I expected it all to be wrapped. And nothing was wrapped. Because we, we weren't like, we kind of did a lead up like, okay, we're going to open this and get it set up and see. And then we open the box and all of a sudden it's like, we're having a girl. We're, we're having a girl? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, okay. it, t- it took off. <laughs> I thought there was, uh, I did not know that's how. It yeah, was yeah. Be, but we're we're having a little girl. Yeah, and uh, so I guess shock isn't the right word. Um, confusion and surprise yeah. is good there because we kind of knew already. Yeah, or we suspected. Um, I mean, it's fifty fifty is an easy shot to take. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. but um, what we were right and. We found out that we were having a girl, and we told everybody, and... And then I guess it comes to July 4th, when we really told a lot of people. Um, we ended up telling, like, a lot of extended family, and talking with them, and all of that, um, that entire weekend. Um, How did we do that? Just phone calls. Okay. So we yeah. just called everybody that we hadn't told yet. Because we thought, okay, at that point we were uh, well into the 20s. Uh, not, I guess, closer to, um, my brain's not working out. That's okay. But we've been pregnant long enough that we wanted to tell some of our other family members. And yeah, other really close friends. And just call other people and other friends who were going to be excited for us and excited with us. And so we called them. And... We were about four months pregnant. Okay. Time. And, yeah, so we were about four months pregnant, and we thought that that would be pretty. Um, we still didn't announce anything on Facebook because I was just, I was so scared uh, to put it out that far. Um, and uh, so we waited, till, I think, to like 30 weeks for that. So we told more people and we were further along and a little bit of the stress that like, oh, um, we might've actually, it might've been around, I think it was around, um, October is when we posted it on Facebook that we were, that we were expecting. Cause it was just before the baby shower, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we went to our next appointment and like all the others before they said everything looks perfect yeah um, you're measuring or you're you're I don't remember the details that they said but my understanding at that point was everything was perfect and that we would see you at the next appointment yeah. and so then we went to the next appointment and, the and they said thing. the same thing Hey. Every single time it was, everything looks good. We'll see you, you know, at your next appointment. Um, no, no warning signs the entire time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything everything was going great. Everything was perfect. I was thinking like, sweet, this is awesome. Even at one point, I remember your mom basically said, because we were just talking about it, and we were like, oh, you know, they keep saying everything is perfect. Yeah. So I remember her mom said, you know, some people just it comes easy. It comes easy, and they're you know, quote unquote, meant to have babies. Yeah. And um, so next we have a baby shower. Mm-hmm. And um, and we had all of our nieces and nephews tie dye onesies for Maeve, mm-hmm. um, which which we put garbage bags over their nice clothes. So they're like in little like garbage ponchos, yeah. garbage bag ponchos. We we had a nice little socially distanced baby shower where Outdoors everybody could mainly family and some about three of our really close friends that would have been called aunt and uncle and had uh, masks and everything there so that we could do it as safely as we could and yeah. we we did a couple things that were a lot of fun. And tie-dyeing onesies yeah. for Maeve was one of the things. And we did a couple different months. And so we had, and then. Well, we had like a, we thought we'd only go through one pack of onesies, but because they were zero to nine. And, uh, we, so we were like, oh, we'll only want to do one, maybe, but we'll buy two packs. And if the kids really like it, they can do two packs. And so we had like a lot of time. Everybody loved it, and they we had them sign their names mm-hmm. either on the back or on the thing, so that we would know. Oh, this is the tie dye onesie from so and so. Um, and that was one thing that was nice. And then moving forward, um, I guess we're getting just further and and further. I guess. Uh, the next appointments, the same thing. Every time we went in, uh, everything's perfect. Great. Do you have any questions? No. Okay. Well, we'll see you at the next appointment. Yeah. And so then I think we get. My next thing I was going to say was Thanksgiving. Is that where you want to go? Yeah. Okay. Um. What were you going to say? It was just that's the next time frame. Yeah. So we had Thanksgiving, and I think it was right after Thanksgiving. The hospital, well, I think we have one appointment after Thanksgiving, I think, mm-hmm. that where Shane could come. Um, and then after that, they, they shut the hospital back down again. And Shane was not allowed to come anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I was livid. I was not happy about it. I was like, I was like, I want you there. I'm like, we've had all this time. We're getting so close. Like, I need you there to, like, make sure, like, to ask the questions, to, to make sure we're getting all the right information. I'm like, we're at the point where I'm having to ask tons of questions about like, what to, where do we go when it's labor and delivery? Where do we go and all of this? And, you know, I was, I was mad, but Shane's like, it's okay. She's going to be here soon. It'll be fine. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I didn't fight it. Um, though I wanted to. You wouldn't have won anyways. No, but, but I, my it, point was as long as Maeve is safe yeah. and happy and there's no issues or calls for alarm, then I'm fine with this. I don't, it's like, you know, if I don't get to go to an appointment, who cares? I don't care. I mean, I do care, but I'm, if that's a, 
the most sacrifice I'll have to make is miss an appointment when I'm, you know, I'm sitting out in, in the car and Veronica gets to tell me in detail about yeah. everything. That's fine with me, you know. Um, I think one thing I, I thought about, we forgot to gloss over when, when the first appointment you went to our doctor, um, he, he was like, oh, dads, oh, I haven't seen a dad in forever. and was just so thrilled to see a dad. Yeah. So, I mean, you could tell the staff were were affected as, affected well. as much by it as we were. And, um, you know, didn't, they wanted to support us. But, you know, with COVID, you had to follow those guidelines that were being put out by people who don't know what they're talking about, don't understand. Um, wow. Um, so, we get to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by this point, May is kicking and doing yeah. stuff and that I wanted to mention that point just because um well she was kicking it like around twenty weeks. Yeah, but, but like you could you could you could, you could really you could see her kick, you could feel her kick and on Thanksgiving she was kicking quite a bit. Yeah, my mom was begging for labor to come. She's like, she I'm gonna deliver this baby and I'm like, Oh you're not She was um, she stressed you out a little bit. A little bit. So yeah, so but I mean, every we time were getting Brock more Braxton Hicks around then. So um, at that point, you were about thirty. Well, more I guess not really Braxton Hicks. Yeah, we were 35, 34 weeks. Thirty, right around around there. thirty-four weeks. Yeah. So it would have been a little bit early. Um, but viable. Yeah, she as they say, she would have been fine. Yeah, it would have been fine. Very much. We're like, no. We had a day, basically. We wanted to... She was due January January 2nd. And I was like, I'm keeping this... As long as COVID's around and it's this bad, I'm keeping this baby in. Until, mm-hmm. As long as she'll let me. Because I, I knew if she was with me, or at least what I thought, is if she is with me, then she's safe. There's nothing that can happen to her at this point. Mm-hmm. As long as she's with me. Um, as soon as she's out in the real world, I can't stop. You know, I can't put an N95 mask on my daughter at, you know, less than a month. But I can wear an N95 mask every day for nine months if I have to. And, I mean, that's what I did at my job. I wore, um, when we went back in person, I wore an N95 mask. So, I and when we went to all of our doctor's appointments, I wore an N95 mask. Um, you know, we... We took all the precautions to keep her. I mean, I took t- two showers a day. I took one in the morning and one at night when I got home from work. Just to, you know, make sure that I didn't get it so she wasn't affected. Um, I suppose by the nature of this podcast, it knows where we're going with this yeah. story. But, so Thanksgiving, you have a few uh, Braxton Hicks contractions and a uh, couple of minutes, a uh, couple of times where you're like, uh, I wouldn't say in pain, but yeah, no. made you a little nervous. Yeah. And your mom over there Googling how to deliver a baby <laughs> and, and re- reciting it back to you. Yeah, it was like, wasn't helping Aww. you, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it was, it was kind so, of funny looking a little bit, but a little yeah. stressful, a little funny. Um, all no, in good it's, spirit. It's fun. Uh, but. So, I'm um, just thinking about 
that and moving forward the days and weeks to that, uh, Maeve would kick and do different things. And I would talk to her and and we were setting play everything silly up. little games and where I'd be like, uh, for example, one thing that I thought was funny to do, Veronica would laugh a little bit with, I would be like, oh, is Maeve uh, moving a lot? She's kicking a lot right now? And you could feel her kick and stuff. And I'd be like, okay, hold on. I'm going to do something that she won't be able to resist. And I'd go, bump, 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 bump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just leave it like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then occasionally I'd be like, oh, you feel that? She kicked back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, talk to her and, and do a few things like that. Yeah. And just, I'd get real close to Veronica's belly and I'd go, what are you doing in there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll move forward and just, uh, you know, at this point you're starting to go to your appointments every, pretty regularly. Every week, yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. again, just um, no, every No sign of any problems. They're, um, I'm measuring right. They, they, I mean, I think they told us our baby was um, on the smaller side, um, but... We are small people, so that was to be expected. If I was carrying a 10-pound baby, that would be uh, pretty impressive for a woman of my size because I am not tall and I am not a big person, and neither is Shane. So, uh, and neither one of us were big babies. Um, so, you know, them telling us that she was around five or six pounds, we were like, okay, that makes about sense. Nothing to be worried about or concerned more or less we were told everything is right on schedule yes so so um one thing that we haven't mentioned is that we had a little bit of trouble picking Maeve's name Mm -hmm. so we had a couple different names in mind we knew a lot that we couldn't decide on and a lot that we didn't particularly like Mm-hmm. Um, but we had not chosen a name yet. We knew that we had two to five yeah. different names that we liked. We didn't know if any of them would be Maeve's name, but... So, one one thing, where we met was actually at a little place, like, that was on the work campus, um, that was called Maybell's. Mm-hmm. And so we considered naming her Maybelle, um, but with my but, accent that doesn't go well. Yeah, Veronica, Veronica didn't like the way that I said, said it. Maybelle. Yeah, and you're just, saying it right now, but well, when when I said it to him, he gave it the countryest accent you'd ever heard, what was and it? I was that I like, separated that out into Maybelle, Maybelle. and I was Maybelle. like, oh Lord, anyways, uh, Veronica didn't like it, and my accent caused her to disqualify several different names yes that is very true just because well, i knew we live in the south he is not going to be the only one that says the name funny and uh, i knew i could correct him but i didn't want our, our daughter to have to correct everybody um when it came to her pronunciation of her name it didn't um, concern me uh, <laughs> but but, I mean, I had so, a more unique name growing up and had been called different names, which I didn't mind that. I didn't mind if her name got mixed with somebody. I just didn't want it to get pronounced wrong. So we had reasons to not pick that name. Yeah. And then we had reasons to not pick 
other names, and then one name we liked uh, decently. Um, turns out a family member uh, has that name. Yeah. So we removed that name, and and then finally we kind of kept coming back to May Adelaide, and that just kept coming back to that, and so we were at some point we were pretty sure that okay we're we're pretty sure, not a hundred percent we're ninety percent sure that Maeve Adelaide is our child's name. So Shane told me I I like to tell Veronica yeah. that we have time now, and you still have time, Veronica, but to come up with a name, but. We're, we're working on this together. I've given you a lot of names, a lot of options, but if it comes down to it and I'm in charge of naming her and you're bit, you're going to be busy uh, delivering our child and if you haven't got a name picked out right, then I have a name picked out. And I used to tell Veronica that I was going to name her Oh, what exactly did I say? I said I changed it up a lot, but one of the names that I told her that we would name our kid was Maeve Velociraptor Optimus Prime blank. (laughs) And uh, and so I said, it's okay if you don't pick out a name because I've got one. Yeah. And (laughs) so uh, here and then I would at that point, Veronica would be like, "No, no, we're, we're not, not. We're not giving Velociraptor and Optimus Prime in this. this is so I would say. I like, so then I would ask, "Okay, well, what's her name?" Yeah. And Veronica didn't have one. So then I would lean in and whisper to May and say, "Hello, little May Velociraptor." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we decided eventually. Uh, so, so the reason why Maeve came up, though, was, I mean, I looked hundreds of names, but um, Shane's last name has got Irish uh, connections, I guess. Um, and so, sure, you know, I looked, I was just looking at like, you know, we Irish names, um, and I looked at all different kinds of names. I mean, but uh, Maeve is. Um, you liked Maybell. I did like Maybell. And so we were looking for M names. M A names. And mm-hmm. we were looking for other names that were like um, Addie and Addison and other mm-hmm. things like that. And we eventually. And, mm-hmm. and so we kept looking at renditions of those. Yeah. And um, so that's how we came up with Adelaide. Was, was that was my desire was to have an Addie name because our cat's name is Allie, our dog's name is Sadie. To have another E, you know, E at the end to have it kind of fit our little silly trend that was not a trend because our dog came or it wasn't meant to be a trend. Our dog came with the name Sadie. Um, his dad named our cat Allie because he thought it was funny that we name our cat Allie Cat. Um, and so, um, that was how Adelaide came up. But uh, Maeve, um, she was an Irish uh, queen, um, warrior queen. And um, her name also translates to intoxicating. 
and we had made our first batch of homemade wine um, while we were pregnant. And so we thought, thought that it was fitting that um, it have a close relation to wine. Yes, and there was this romantic idea behind it that, oh, we did this fun thing where we crushed grapes and made wine together while um, Veronica was pregnant and that then we could deliver and have made with us. And then shortly after that, Veronica could have, have made the wine we made with made, which the is first, you know, the first glass of wine that Veronica could have after not having any alcohol for months would be the wine that we made together as a family between mm-hmm. me, Veronica, and me. Because um, she was there part of it. Yeah. Um, so we decided yeah. on that. At this point, I think we'll just go into the week 37 and stuff like that. So, um, we got to further along in our pregnancy. Uh, we would just go to uh, weekly appointments. Got to the point where it was weekly appointments. And one thing that I haven't fully illustrated is that we were nervous we didn't really know what to expect we were this was our they wouldn't let they didn't have birth classes you weren't there they were online and our doctors kind of discouraged them a little bit because it's like we're gonna have to do it anyway they didn't necessarily discourage it they said around this specific week it would be good to have them and if you do it before that you'll forget some of the stuff that they teach you and if you do it um, but they also said, like, since... Specifically, they said that the nurses that we have are amazing. They're which they are. They're through every step of it. So, So you can do it, but it's it's virtual right now. And, and the hope was that it would be in person by then. But it just got... COVID got worse. Um, so, it, it went in person, but it was too early for us to go. And then it went back online. So that wasn't, that was concerning for you. It was. But I mean, I watched tons of of other stuff and free stuff. But um, it wasn't, I wasn't that worried about it because as one of the nurses or doctors said, um, don't worry. She, you know, you're going to have this baby. Maple uh, is like, Maeve has to come out. Don't yeah. worry, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be okay, you're going to have a baby. And so, um, so we'll talk about week 38. So at this point, I'm not allowed at, at, at the, the hospital I'm or at the allowed, appointments. I'm not allowed inside. I'm outside and I sit in my car um, and more or less just wait. Sometimes I bring my dog, sometimes I don't. I don't think Sadie was with me at this point and uh, so it's so this is our last appointment this is December 22nd of 2020 and uh, um, we have our appointment um, everything's fine um, you know heart rate um, they say it's fine I didn't get values for it um, they 
uh, take measurements, measurements are fine, check for dilation, not dilated yet. And I was like, well, that's good. You know, I don't want to have her on Christmas. Uh, you know, I'm like, I don't want her to share that with her 11 cousins. Like, I want her to be special. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted her to be a New Year's baby, like, or around that, because that was something we had joked about for years, about having a New Year's baby. Um, and yeah. so, for example, we might say something like, oh, we could always just have one of those New Year's babies. That and gets all the free stuff. <laughs> Gets all the free stuff. Gets all the news and all that. And the scholarships and other things yeah. like that. And so we we were okay with waiting. We wanted yeah. to wait. Like, yeah. Okay, she's 38 weeks. That's fine. We had a lot, a little bit more to do. We like had we heard. had a little more things we wanted to get together at the at the house and make sure that it was set up and cleaned and all that. So, and the other thing is that what our understanding at the time was that your first pregnancy, you're more likely to be late rather than early. Be late than on time or early. And so you're more likely to go a little after 40 weeks than you are to go early. Um, so at your 38 week appointment. Um, no, this is, yeah, 38 weeks. Um, so, I mean, everything was fine. They, um, if you want to mention anything, um, comment the doctor made or no? No? Okay. I think. That's fine. Because I don't want to complain. Okay. So, on December 23rd, we are just running around doing some things that are fun and getting some things ready for having Christmas. We had had a meal delivery thing sent to us so that we could make some fancy meals. So we cooked yeah. one of those. Well, we, we made a, we had a meal prep kit that, mm-hmm. that we made that was like supposed to last just a while. And we started that, cooked all of that, that on the 23rd. Mm-hmm. And we had those in the uh, refrigerator and we had another meal that was supposed to be our Christmas dinner. We were gonna have this real special Christmas dinner where we're gonna have it's like lamb and roasted tomatoes or something. Yes, it was something silly fancy. And so we paid just like a little bit extra to get yeah. what they recommended on it. And so we were real excited about that. So come come on the twenty fourth and we're busy I mean we, we stayed to ourselves and our home but we were just doing some things cleaning moving around nothing exhausting or anything but um doing stuff and so this is Christmas Eve and my my family got together and so I remember calling and talking to them and they were joking and basically said every time you call we're going to think that you're saying that you're going into labor and that you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a baby. And so, um, so we talked with them for a little while and we were munching on one of our meals, Mm -hmm. just kind of having whatever. And Veronica and I were talking. And at one point we just kind of approached the subject. Uh, It was getting pretty late. And we're like, oh. So, 
I think I stubbed my toe and, and said, like, ow, ow. <laughs> or something like that. Nothing bad, just kind of almost like, you know, stumble a little bit, nothing to worry about. And I was just like, oh, is Maeve kicking a lot? Because like, every oh. time, every time before that, it was a simple, yeah, she just kicked me hard. Yeah. And so I asked her that, and she said, no, I'm not really. She's like, I haven't really felt, I was like, I haven't felt her lately yet. But, I mean, we'd had such a busy day. I was like, I probably felt her in the morning. We Um, hadn't really been, not that we weren't paying attention, but. We were busy. We, you know, we asked the question at that point, like, oh, have you felt Maeve move a lot today? Or is, basically, I was asking, oh, is she kicking your ass right now? (laughs) And the the answer was, no, no, I don't know. Now that I think about it. I don't remember the last time I felt her. And because but, we were moving around doing stuff, but that wasn't really a concern. Yeah. Because around that time you would normally wait a little while. Yeah. And then you would feel her move and stuff. Yeah. So um And so I guess I don't know we so we you know I don't know if we tell this quick or long because there's easy ways to go forever on. Yeah. Um, we were at that point. I think we knew what was happening, but um, we were in denial because uh, this is you know we're thirty eight weeks and five days. Um, so we thought you know we're invincible essentially. Um, that we're, and I thought you know nobody this- nobody tells you that you're that it's it's uncommon for the baby not to move as much. Um, after a long day of working on other stuff. So we just thought, you know, we had tired her out, essentially, um, is what we had convinced ourselves of. So we hadn't had any scares or anything like that. We This is the only time at all during the pregnancy that we were ever concerned. You didn't trip once, but... I, yeah, it was I just early said, on. I landed on my back, but, I mean... It just scared you. It scared you me. Fine. I was not, I was not concerned. I was basically like, I saw you, you're fine. You just, you're okay. Maeve's fine. You just felt and you caught yourself and you didn't, you didn't, you know, you're fine. But at this point, this is Christmas Eve. Nothing can go wrong on Christmas Eve. So we're just like, we're being a little paranoid just because it's, we're getting further along and everything. So then, like, we tried to basically feel Maeve moving and kicking and stuff, and we were like, okay, I thought I, I thought I felt her. I think, I don't know, I think so. And so, we talked about... We talked about going and calling the doctor, but I was just terrified to do it. I didn't want to, because I didn't want them to... It wasn't that I didn't want her to be born on Christmas. It was just, it, I mean, it kind it kind of was that, and it kind of was. I don't want to be in this reality where I need to go to the doctor right now. The honest truth about this is that you knew that Mate was gone, and yeah. you you knew I it. You knew I it for sure, and you had not voiced that to me fully yet. I had looked and it after, up and, and got the resource that what was occurring is probably what they call a stillbirth. And this 
this is all in hindsight now. And at the time, we didn't know any of this, but we did. And so, so anyways, we managed, this is late at night and we're exhausted and don't know what's going on. We think that, oh, we're being ridiculous. Maybe sleeping right now. You know, I mean, it's it was late. late. She was not a night owl. She was a morning one. She only mainly kicked in the mornings. In the afternoons, she didn't really, like, late in the afternoons. It mm-hmm. was, she was not active. Um, so, so we went to bed. Um, when we, I we say were, we went to bed, we did not, I did not sleep. Mm-hmm. I didn't um, sleep very well either. Yeah. Um, I thought we were being, I was hoping that we were being ridiculous and that, so we woke up on December 25th, Christmas day and went in, uh, woke up, um, I have a picture of you snuggled on Sadie a little bit. And I remember asking, oh, have you felt Maeve kicked now? Because I assumed that Veronica would tell me, but... And she kicked in the mornings. And I didn't feel anything. So, so I cooked a, a, a quick, big breakfast that I always love. Uh, I cooked eggs and I cooked bacon. some bacon and... That was my main thing, was eggs and bacon, but mm-hmm. sometimes toast, sometimes sausage. So I cooked that stuff, and we sat down to eat. We ate, and then... Still didn't know where. So at this point, we're following the directions of, okay, you know, it's, time it's not late. It's not an abnormal time. She should move at this point. So we ate, a, we followed the... Um, instructions eat a, eat a eat a big meal sit in a certain position and wait for 30 minutes to fill her mood and we had a, a stethoscope and I made Shane try to find her heartbeat before we left mm-hmm. um, before we even called and he thought he could hear it thinking back now it was probably mine but well we I was just hopeful and I don't know that I ever could hear, hear yeah. it with a stethoscope anyway. No, yeah. No. What we needed was a Doppler, and we didn't have that. Because um, I, didn't, I didn't see the need to have it, and I wish that I had. So we we don't feel her kicking. Um, we occasionally thought that we felt her kick, but um, within that time frame, it was kind of like, okay, I may have felt her twice within 30 minutes. So we should have felt her a lot more than that. And so we called the hospital and said, hey, um, I'm the one who called. And I said, hey, um, we're pretty. Uh, you, you asked, you said, um, my wife is, is not is not feeling the baby and we you know, do we need to come in? And they're like, well, when was the last time? Have you done, you know, have you gone through the checklist? Or, you know? So we just went through the little protocol of, um, I said, hey, uh, my wife 
we're not we're 38 weeks pregnant a little past that but at this point we're not feeling our baby kick we just ate a big meal and we're just waiting we sat down and are doing these things and waiting to feel a kick and she she responded with okay that's um basically that's fine Um, that's probably nothing but let's go ahead and have you come in um just you know just so that makes you feel better yeah she's probably wedged in a position she's probably um probably fine and just she'll move in a bit but why don't you come um why don't you come in to ease your mind and we'll check her out and then then basically everything would be good but so we we basically load up right then, get in the car and drive there. And I remember the drive was it's only about 15, 20, 20 minutes. Yeah, not not a very far drive depending on traffic, but felt like an eternity. It did. It felt like a long time because you know on the whole ride there you're still in denial. Well, you're still in laser focus, waiting to feel anything. Yeah. And I don't know. I probably asked you several times if you felt her kick. Yeah. And uh, the answer was always no, not really. Um, but we get oh to God, the hospital, so. tell them, go to the check line, and basically uh, they send us to labor and, de- labor and delivery to check on Nate and they separate us for just a second at after we go through um, the two different check zones to make sure that everything's okay get Veronica set up in a room and then they bring me back there and Veronica's on on a table and they're or not on a table on a bed (laughs) (laughs) and they've got her um, I don't know. They probably started uh, once I got in there. Yeah, and they they didn't do anything until he was there, and then that's when um, they went ahead and put fetal monitor, traction monitor, uh, started an IV just in case um, we needed to do C section, um, mm-hmm. and our two nurses there were incredible. Mm-hmm. So, I'll tell it from my point of view, just moving forward for a little bit and jump in whenever you want. But I remember getting in there and they kept using the, looking for Maeve's heart rate. Which is a Doppler. Yeah. And at one point, they, you know, occasionally they'd say something, uh, oh, I think I got it. And then um, the head nurse was like, uh, they were communicating and basically decided. They said, I think I've got her heartbeat. I need you to put her on a monitor or so that we can compare the heart rates. Yeah. And basically, um, so I can try and see if I can find babies. Yeah. And, um, and just get Veronica's, uh, so already here the... so that she can see both at the same time, essentially. So at that point, all of a sudden, once I, I got very hopeful and thought, because you know, Cause you hear something, you hear the boom, 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 and it's fast, 
And so I was like, okay, that in my head I thought, okay, that sounded really quite fast. So that's probably Maeve and okay, that's good. Um, we were being silly. We were our worries that we were feeling were, you know, while justifiable were we can go home and celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Um and we've even said we weren't going to tell anybody we went to the hospital because I didn't, you know, it was, you didn't want to worry anybody too. At like, this point, nobody knew that we no. were going to the hospital. Um, so after, after they get Veronica's heartbeat, he just goes quiet. And they're like, we're going we're gonna to have to go get the That's, ultrasound. So they keep And get the midwife. Thing around and they're basically like I can't get it I'm you know they're like I'm having trouble getting it she must it be in a weird position lo- located right um, and they start asking specific questions like oh when was your last ultrasound yeah. and our last ultrasound was, was at, that 20 weeks was that 20 weeks but you know we're just at the looking back I know that we were in shock um, oh, yeah. because we were just waiting for to hear our baby and um, so we just kept waiting and so they kept doing the the Doppler and then they send off for the midwife to come in to get an ultrasound machine in there and the midwife to come in and at this point they they the midwife gets it hooked up and they said that okay well we have the midwife here we've called your doctor so he'll be in in a little bit as well to um to just uh check on you as well but um we're going to get the midwife to use the ultrasound here in a little in a little bit and so then uh Basically, the nurses are, are like, we can't, we can't use the ultrasound. The um, only the mid- so only the midwife can use the ultrasound or the OBGYN. Um, mm-hmm. So our so the midwife comes in and starts uh, turning the machine on or getting it set up, and it's something is off with the machine, and she's having trouble. The image is flipped. So the image was flipped, and it was weird, and something. And was it's just, not one like they have in their office. It's it's a different brand or something. Um, we're not really we're sure told. what happened there, but this gives us hope that okay, something, something. We're here. This is a bad situation. There's something wrong with the ultrasound. So she uses it anyways. The machine split but it's weird it's not working right and she's not uh able to work with it so she says okay well our your doctor's on the way he he knows how to use this so he'll be in in a minute Mm -hmm. and so then our doctor gets there and at this point i'm like okay finally somebody we recognize somebody we know um and somebody who who knows how to work the machine and do this right 
And, and he made the same comments about how weird that it was flipped and so, all of those. So he walks in. He's not talked to anybody. And he's like, hey, guys, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's weird. Why is a, he looks at it, kind of turns his head. He's like, why is, a, why is the image flipped on the ultrasound? And messes with it for a little bit and was like, that's weird. I don't like this one. I like the such and such one. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, he knows how to use it. He, he gets it on there and starts looking on the ultrasound and it's really quiet you don't hear anything and um he worked he you know is moving it around on veronica's stomach for a little while i don't have i have i don't remember how long it was because it could have been five minutes or it could have been 20 seconds 30 seconds but um I looked at the ultrasound and I could see what he was doing and moving uh-huh. it around. And you, Veronica couldn't see it. I could, and I could see things, and I knew that um, I could see Maeve, and she wasn't really moving, and that was odd. But he was moving the ultrasound back and forth, so I didn't know what was going on, but I wasn't hearing the. What I heard when I was at the 20 week appointment and I had not been back. So what did I know? I've only been to one ultrasound in my life. So what do I know? Um, and I mean, they had the, they had the option to turn the sound off, which they did at my first appointment. There was no sound and then there was sound. So, um, so, we so I just kind had, of, I mean, I knew, but I just was kind of like, Oh, well, the sound's off. So our doctor at this point, um, he turns to us and he says, I'm so sorry. Um, There's no heartbeat. I'm so sorry. There's no heartbeat. And he's like, I'm sorry she's gone. I don't, and, and, and I don't so... know why this happens. This sometimes happens. I don't. I don't know what happened, but he just said, I'm so sorry, and then he just was quiet, and then he showed us on the ultrasound. He's like, you see this here? This is, this is her heart, and uh, it's not, it's not too thick. Yes, he and, said. But you're still in denial, because you're like, we're in 39 weeks today, so... It can't be. And so I just sat there saying, oh God, oh God. And, and, our, and our, our nurse, uh, she held my head so tight. And, and I mean, she just, the whole ultrasound with, with our doctor, she's just holding me and, you know, holding shade and, and in the room with us. And I remember seeing one of the ultrasounds that I've not really told Veronica about much, but Maeve was in a weird position in the ultrasound. And it's just not like, it didn't look like a position she was really comfortable that what I would be in. And it just looked, and when I saw it, she wasn't moving. And I remember that. And I remember then 
him looking at her chest. And then after he says, I'm so sorry, he showed us what I was seeing and what I knew. Where he would basically was looking at her heart and showing this should be going crazy right now. There's no movement. And that is bad. And I said, oh God, I should have just come yesterday. If I had just done it yesterday. And I mean, of course, our, our nurse is like, it, it does, honey, there's nothing you could have done. And, and she, you know, tried to say the right words. Everything she said, our nurses said nothing wrong the entire time we were there. But So we just, uh, all of us, just cried for a while. I'm not really sure how long it was. Probably five to ten minutes we just cried. I think our doctor and everybody gave us just a little bit of time. But shortly after that, they our doctor came in and said, I'm We're, sorry, we have we have to talk about this. Well, before even that, they said we have to get confirmation from the ultrasound tech. That's, so that's right. They have another person I've never met before come in with a different ultrasound. Um, but a machine that is um, um, better, more accurate, and hopefully would... And they're taking hundreds of images mm -hmm. of... And she's not saying a word, but... So she comes in, gets set up, and starts doing everything. And spends, um, you know, just a couple minutes getting everything set up and it's just quiet we're not really saying anything to anybody but um, she does the ultrasound as well um, and we're just quiet waiting for her to say he's no, wrong he's wrong no, this is her heartbeat right here with that ultrasound she's okay here it is we need to go fast we need to do this like and instead what she did was look at our doctor and said, I agree. Yeah. And he, he asked, um, do you agree? Do you see the same thing? And she looked at him and said, yes, I agree. And so we cried some more. And uh, the next, so the next thing is, where do we go from here? Uh, so they, they give us a little bit of time. And at that point, um, our doctor comes in and, and basically says, we, we have to talk about this. He's like, you don't have to do anything today. But you have to do something before Monday. And he's like, um, we, need to, we need to get Maeve out sooner because rather than later. We don't want you to get sick. We don't want things to start happening and which is the worst thing to hear that now instead of my baby being the priority I'm the priority mm -hmm. and it's not about saving her it's about saving me mm -hmm. and and so what they do is check to see if Veronica is in labor and, and they we're more not dilated we're one centimeter dilated Basically, and, that there are contractions, but but I'm not feeling. But she's not. Veronica's not feeling them. She's not 
really in labor, but things are happening. And so, but we're not at a point where things have to happen today. And it was later in the day, like at that point. So probably around three or four. Yeah. Um, and we so, were in the hospital until like seven or eight that night. So we were asked, do you want to get induced today or do you want to come back Saturday or Sunday? And I, t- I, look, I looked at Shane and said, I, I can't do this today. Like, you know, one, we've already ruined Christmas, but um, we can't, I can't, I don't have anything with me. We just brought the clothes on our back with us. Um, we just ran to the hospital and got there when we could. And at this point, and we had now we're so confused, so shocked, and we're relying on our doctors and nurses to kind of help us get through this. And and so they they, they more or less recommended that to call and talk with um, some people who know more about this than we do. And it was with a different organization here in Georgia that um, with a mom who had um, miscarried and she guides other women through the process of miscarriage and stillbirth and on what to bring, um, what to do, what what's going to happen and all of that. So they connected us with her. I think the worst part before we talk about um you know, the next day is uh, calling our parents because Shane. Uh, I had to call my father-in-law. And I don't think you. I think you got the words out to dad, to my I, dad. I called him, and I. Did he? I was crying on the phone, but I couldn't talk. So, eventually, you know, he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And eventually, all, all you could say was... similar to how I'm talking now, but a little different, but all I can say is, the lost, baby made... No, you didn't even say... You said, we, we lost the baby. That's all the words that you got out. And... Uh, he, And uh, then you called your mom, and uh, you couldn't get the words out. And you pointed the phone towards me, and I said, we lost the baby. Yeah. And uh, that was the only people we had to tell directly. Cause it's, well, I told them or texted them. It was easier to text. And it was impossible to talk. So, but I told them, let others know. Notify the rest of the family. And uh, so, as we said at the beginning, uh, we did trivia every Saturday, and the next day was going to be Saturday. So that meant uh, all of our... We said, oh, if we don't make it a Saturday, don't worry, we're probably having the baby. Yeah. And so they would joke that, you know, when we show up, they're like, oh, I guess we don't have a baby yet. And uh, So I had to text an amazing woman who is married to someone I work with and I told her I said you know we we've lost the, you know I texted her and told her like can you just please tell the group and 
you're just the ones that show up and I'll eventually tell the rest of them, but I just couldn't stand telling anybody else then. And, uh, we didn't want to get, I didn't want to get everybody's hopes up that and we didn't want to get, I didn't want messages. to get the hundred messages. Oh, of excitement. Hey, sorry you didn't make it to trivia. How's everything going? Yeah. We didn't want to get those messages tomorrow when everything was just so critical. And so we left the hospital and went home and we talked with um, the lady that the works who, for this other organization. And so we, we went home and we, we ate something, but we weren't hungry. And then we talked with her or texted. We called her and talked to her. Mm-hmm. And she walked us through what was going to happen. And she's basically like, okay, this is... Like, take your time. Here are some things that are going to happen. Um, and here are some things that you need to be prepared for. And here are some things that I hope will make this... Transition. Easier for you. She emphasized... This is horrible, but I don't want you to look back on this with only horror and pain. Because tomorrow, tomorrow, take your time. Tomorrow, you get to meet your baby girl. And you've looked for this moment for a very long time. And so, we want you to get what you can from this. And these are the only moments you're going to get from this. So don't let anybody rush you. Don't let Do what you want. You do, know. Do everything that you want. Do a few things that are hard. And do what you want. Because this is your only chance. So. Basically. She's like. You want to bring a book. So that you can read her a book. You want to bring any stuffed animals that you want pictures with her, or, you know, or anything like that. Um, you want to bring blankets and anything you uh, want a picture with her in, bring it. Like a onesie. Um, <sighs> um, so she coached us on things that we would likely want likely need to bring things that we would have never done no without her helping us and at some point in the conversation it may have been the first thing it may have been the last thing, but she's like so what time are you getting induced um so we we're told basically that a natural, uh, not natural, but um, a vaginal birth is the best thing 
for mm-hmm. me, uh, for Mama and the future. And it's the the quickest route to recovery as well. And uh, which is a whole so, lot of bullshit, in my opinion, because it's a lot fucking longer and a lot. You know, I mean, it wasn't awful, and we'll talk more about it in a second. But so, I mean, it's a long damn day. But so we were just following directions, and we said, "Okay, yes, induction sounds like the best idea." So the other thing that we were encouraged to do was, an uh, basically. Tomorrow is going to be a hard day. Uh, I recommend that you make it as easy as possible and as, as comfortable as possible. So I recommend that you don't go, you know, quote unquote natural. You have an epidural to make this easier, easier on you and less pain. And that was never the plan. <laughs> you don't want to add pain on top of this if you can. You don't want to. Um, you want to, uh, and she said, if you really don't want to do that, that's fine. But she what I would suggest easy. is to do an epidural and, um, that, when we talked about some other things and she said, here's my number. I'm going to call and text, uh, different nurses. Well, she, and she was. Knew the two nurses that were there on the 25th. And those were the two nurses we were going to have on the 26th. And so she was like, if you, please, you know, if you are okay with it, please tell the nurses to keep me updated on y'all's condition tomorrow. And, you know, she had given us, you know, everything we needed at that point. So, so we, got so we, so we, you know, we told our nurses the next day to let her know what was going on uh, throughout the day. And so we were scheduled to get induced in the morning, and they said, we've got you scheduled at this time. You're supposed to get here at 7 a.m., but we come in just come in as soon as you can in the morning. If you can't make it here until 9 or 10, that's fine. Just She's like, I'm in charge, so don't you worry. I got you. Just take your time. Get what you need and come in, and we'll be ready for you when you can. There's, you know, there's no rush. Uh, this is your time frame that we've given you, but there's no rush. Get here when you can. And so, I don't know how much you actually slept, or oh, if you really did I sleep really. there. I got. We had to. I mean, I held the dog. The, the our dog sleeps at the bottom of our bed majority of the time. She guards us, and I was like, "Nope, nope, you're sleeping in my arms." Um, and I got a little bit of sleep. I think I closed my eyes and I woke up. So um, I don't know if it was twenty minutes or a couple hours, but I, I closed my eyes. But we got up and started finishing, making sure that everything was ready, and we eventually got everything that we thought that we wanted or needed. We didn't know. One of the things that we were coached on is 
we don't know this is your first child we don't know how long induction will take it could take three days you may go in there she didn't say that we looked that up somebody told us is that it could take three days it might take six hours it might be just a couple hours we don't know. Since we were already somewhat dilated, it made it a little bit, and we were so far along, it made it a little bit faster than if we were not quite as far. But uh, they started Pictosin and broke our water at about 9, 10 in the morning. Sometime around. Yeah. We got there, got checked in, they started all of that stuff, and It was the weirdest thing and the most horrible, heart-wrenching thing for us. We were in so much just emotional pain at that point going in there because we're going to labor and delivery knowing our daughter daughter is is gone. So we have to go in there. And you have to now, basically, we were told, your daughter is gone. Now you have to go through what everybody has told us is the most pain. But it's all worth it because you'll hold your baby girl. So we went in there knowing that we had to do something. And that uh, I, I know this had to be horrible for you, so I'll talk about my side and you can tell yours. I went in there knowing that my wife had to now go through labor and then delivery. And she had to, we, we don't use the word childbirth because it's hard for us to consider it a birth date when she's gone. We know that she is gone. We're in denial. But we know, we're hoping that something, some miracle is going to happen. And that, you know, May will come out and there will be like, holy shit, she's alive. Yeah. But, um, but we go, it's hard to get out of bed knowing that you wake up and you know what you have to do. You go there, you know what you have to do. I know what Veronica has to do, probably the hardest work she's ever had to do in her life. And there's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can say. I'm just there. And I know that I have to support her in every way that I can and do this. And it hurts me. And I know that she's in shock. And I'm trying to help make decisions. But yeah, you're making so you're. You know, neither one of us can hardly stand up because we know, we don't know, and that's part of it, what's going to happen next because we've never been through childbirth, never been through delivery, we've never done any of this stuff. Some people die in delivery, and we don't. And we live in Georgia, which is a high mortality uh, rate for for women in labor. So we know that we can't stop this and that this is something that we have to do and and at one point I thought like do these doctors know what's best do they know do like should I just request a c-section 
should I, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, at this point, we hadn't fully decided on an epidural, but we had. Yeah. And so it was still kind of like, I want to wait until. I wanted to wait until there was. A bit further until. Until I actually felt pain. And so we waited a good long time until I actually several hours before. And we got to the point, we timed it out perfectly, where basically you're like, okay, this is starting to hurt. This is starting to feel bad. And And I knew I could go longer, but I was afraid if I went longer without the epidural, that it would be the point of no return. And then. So. Yeah, so. You were able to walk around, you were able to do things. Go to the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, I wanted to go to the bathroom on my own. That's why I didn't want to do my epidural. I wanted yeah. to go to the bathroom on my own. But uh, just moving back a bit, we went to the hospital knowing that we'd never done anything harder in our lives, but we were in shock and didn't know the extent of what was going to happen. Just, But we knew that Instead of being elated about a water breaking or... The water, him breaking our water was the most emotionally painful part until they said, you're, you're fully dilated. Then that was the worst. And they, they were asking, are you ready to, to, are you ready to push? Yeah, we'll get to that point. But, but... So for me as a man going into that... That's kind of, I could probably say a little more about it, but um, I think that's a good point for me to stop and let Veronica tell her side from the morning of um, December 26th when we woke up, and what your thoughts on that day were. Well, I mean, I made Sadie, our dog, made her say goodbye, I mean, in... They put me on a all liquid diet when we got there. Um, and Shane, being the guy he is, was like, okay, well, if you're going to be on an all liquid diet, I'll be on an all liquid diet. Um, you know, I'm not going to let, I mean, he had beef jerky, but other than that, like, it was, you know, he's going to, um, he's going to be, He's going to follow everything I have to do besides deliver the baby. He's going to do every single part of it. And, I mean, he's sitting by my side the whole time. And um, our nurses made fun of me because I'm watching Food Network and on an all-liquid diet. And they're like, you're just torturing yourself. And I'm like, no, but this is this is my happy place. Food is my happy place. And that's also why <laughs> Nick and John are so good friends of ours is they are foodies as much as we are. Um, so we watched um, certain cooking shows and different things, and it's just a nice little de-stressor. Yeah. But um, that's one of the things that we put on while we were waiting for um, this progress to, to, to progress yeah. erotica to dilate more. And, yeah, to get to that point where we could go, um, and I mean, our nurse that was with us that day, um, we're getting close to the end of her shift, I mean, it's getting close to 8 or 9 p.m., 
And, uh, um, you know, she's telling me, she's like, well, do you want me to check you real quick before I leave for today? And I'm like, yeah, you know, let's, let's see how far along I am. Well, she's like, well, you're fully dilated. I, I mean, if you're ready, um, to push and we can, we can start this process. And I think that was probably the hardest thing is, is, you know, when she said that, um, I looked at Shane and I said, I don't think I can do this. And she's like, you know, she walked, she's like, I'll give you guys some time and I'll come back in a few minutes. And she gave us our time. And, uh, probably about 10 or 20 minutes. I remember looking at a clock and basically <sighs> kind of at this point, um, I don't really know how long Veronica can wait when she's, um, at 10 and fully dilated. I don't know how long she can wait, but she's gone the epidural, and so, uh, so my thought, so Veronica's talking to me and saying, you know, love of my life, I don't know how I can do this, and the only thought is that I have, because I'm, I'm there with you, but I'm also... I'm trying to help you do this. Yeah. And I know that there's no going back. You know, we can't go back to March and stop this. We're here. There's no stopping it. I can't. Can't go back can't to December 22nd anything. and just tell it to fucking induce me then. Um, <sighs> so in my head, uh, and I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know if my wife is about to die. I don't know if um, this next progress is going to, what this is going to do to you, what this and is going to do to me. At this point, I've got a fever of like 103. But I do know that we have a limited time before it's time to go to work. And uh, so I do a couple things. I say a couple things. And I kind of keep slowly uh, prodding you to, for you to say, okay, I'm ready. I, in my head, I set a time frame, 15 to 30 minutes at that point. I would like to ask, you know, at 15 minutes, what are you thinking? You know, my thought is, I want this to, I would like for this not to get over because, uh, but I don't, I want, I want Veronica to be safe and we're there. So, um, so we talk, we talk and then after a little while, uh, I don't remember what I said, maybe you did, but I think we decided so okay. our nurse comes up in and she says, are we ready? And I said, I, yeah, I think so. Um, and so we started the process at around, um, I think it was around 8.39. And so our nurse that was supposed to be gone, she, st she stuck around. Um, she stayed with us. She'd been with us all when we found out. She was with us that day, throughout the day, helping us 
through this process and then and even calling me mama and I never had I I didn't at that point I was like I almost pissed off but I'm thinking back at it I I'm glad she did because as our everyone in our our support group talks about you know it's hard to be a mom when your your child's not here and the fact that our nurse said that is something that stuck with me that everybody that I loved one thing I really liked about everything is they referred to us as mama and dad the whole time but I mean you wouldn't know that and and the nurse that helped us the other nurse that was our night nurse that helped us with delivery she came in and she just she just cried with us and she said, I'm just so sorry. She's like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cry, but I'm just so sorry. Um, is this before or after? This is before we gave, before we delivered. And um, this was when they introduced us to her. Um, so this was, um, I'm, I'm thinking about this, so I'm going to say it now. Um, and we'll forward in a second but I've heard people say that meeting their child is the happiest day of their life and this was like a funeral times 10 to me yeah. and I was happy to meet babe we talked about it and we're like I can't wait to see her face but it was but so much pain yeah worse than anything I've ever felt and the worst parts are still coming. Yeah. So uh, we go through labor, and um, and it's about it takes about an hour, hour and a half, um, and and uh, I don't know if I want to say this. But the worst part is what we. One of the things we did mention is the potential. The thing that they said that is a potential. For, we we don't have a true cause of death. Um, we don't know what happened or why. Uh, and we're we're working on trying to maybe be able to get those answers uh, and or at least get percentages of what could have possibly happened. But one was that it could be a umbilical cord accident. Um, which is essentially the cord was wrapped too tight around the baby's neck. And complications occur. Yeah. And uh, so we were given that option beforehand. They said, I don't know what this, happened. It could be a cord accident. It could be something else. I don't know. It could be an infection. We're going to take all these blood work. I mean, that's so much blood work. Um, to see if it's an infection. And they thought, oh, it's probably an infection. You're spiked to 103. And, you know, um, so, I mean, it, it could be an infection. So, um, which it, it wasn't, but. Um, we didn't know. So, when uh, when she was delivered. Uh, we get about three quarters of the way there. And I guess at this point, maybe is really partial. close to being out. She's getting close, but she's stuck basically and 
And I'm talking through labor the entire time. I'm talking about food the entire time. Good, talking you about until, you get until we get until our OBGYN comes in. Then it's you know it's At real that go point, time. It's about 15, ten to fifteen minutes before she's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then he helps with. And so, so when she's at that point, uh, you hear scissors cut three times. So Mavis is stuck. Um, they're trying to help, and the doctor is. Um, I kind of look for a second, and I know kind of what's going on, and he's trying to make it. Um, he's trying to help Veronica and help get Maeve out and stuff like that and our baby's gone and so I know that I don't know that but I suspect that um, basically I don't know how much detail I want to go into it but I think he helps Veronica get Maeve out and so um, one of the problems is that the cord is wrapped, and so he has to cut with scissors. And so now that's something that we'll never forget. Anytime anything is cut with scissors, well, anytime I think you about hear that. the sound. So we had Korean barbecue tonight, and they cut the bacon. Oh, I didn't even. No, I didn't even think about it. It's fine. It's just something that I have to deal with the rest of my life. Yeah. It's not the first time. I can't sleep in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff that comes out of this that you now can't deal with that is just common shit. That's like, you should be able to deal with. You've dealt with before and now you associate it. But it's very specific. And that exact noise is what we heard. And no. I, is that just of because it's dead silent mm-hmm. and so and uh there's that holds a whole new meaning and uh so she's so I guess he was going to made his form yeah she's so yeah. she's uh so they you know they asked me before this process like you know do you do you want her after she's delivered? Like, do you want, um, do you want that or you know? And it's like, well, and I was like, I really don't know. Like, cause I didn't know what she was gonna be like. And our plan was to have was always to have her on the was chest. as soon as Maeve is born to bring her to Veronica's chest to have skin on skin contact immediately, and we were coached that if you want to do that. If you wanted to do that beforehand, you should do it. You should try to do that. And so we did. So Maeve finally was delivered. At 10.03 p.m. on December 26, 2020. And she was six pounds, three ounces. And I believe 20 inches long and and three quarters. mm -hmm. And so she was right where she should have been. Exactly where I expected the baby from Veronica and I to be. Yeah. Right around that six pounds, six to seven pound rate. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know anything, but that's kind of what <laughs> I expected. And so I was six pounds, 
I was yeah. five pounds, two ounces. So, so that makes sense. So yeah. Perfect. And they, they ask Veronica if we want to do that, and we say yes. So they so, put her on my chest, and I, I and mean. They, they tell you, you have a beautiful baby girl. And I'm smiling like a damn idiot. Like, I'm probably the happiest I've fucking been in the whole damn time I'm there. I'm staring at this beautiful baby, and I just, like, don't even believe that she's mine. I don't even believe she's gone. And Shane's over here crying, and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with him? Like, but I'm uh, fucking over here smiling like a damn idiot, looking, you know, just so fucking happy. I'm so happy, and I'm so broken at that point, because... <sighs> I think Veronica has other things going on, but I've been so focused on Veronica and other things going on that I am, I guess, hyper aware of certain things. And Veronica gets to see her little baby girl for the first time, like a like, like a, a baby, like, like a, a like a living baby. I got the. Well, I get to see her as our dead child. And I see her and I know she's so beautiful. And And she's so gone. It sucks because it's like, she's so beautiful, which is so nice, but it sucks so fucking much because you're like, God, all these other babies are shit. Like our baby is the prettiest fucking (laughs) baby out there and she's fucking gone. Like, what kind of shit's that? What kind of a god breaks this beautiful fucking thing and then just takes it away and then gives these babies that are look like freaking aliens with freaking weird heads and our kid's got a gorgeous fucking head. Uh, but. And I assume all parents think that. That's sure. But, uh. We, uh. We spent some time like that. And then they. I'm crying, and eventually we. We let the we nurses. We can talk a little bit and start preparing, like little features and be yeah. like, oh, and, and they're still trying and I to said, help you with. I said, oh God, she looks just like one of our nieces. And we look at her hands. Her and she look just like Shane's. And you look at her little feet, and they look just like mine. And she's got Veronica's ears. <laughs> And some mix between our lips. I'm not sure. Yeah. And, and you just are like, God. And so our nurses. Um, Basically, every feature that Monica and I talked about. Like, joking. I'd be like, oh, man, I hope she gets this. I hope she gets that. Yeah. Like, I most, hope she doesn't have your part. this and my that. And she didn't have those bad features. She had the good features. And she had the good things. I mean, she did have my ears, which I wanted her to have. But, well, you know, I also know how hard it is to have small ears if earbuds don't fit in. She was going to get stuck with that. Um, but. So then they. Um, they gave her her first bath and put her in the onesie we brought. And uh, they. So part of the thing we didn't mention earlier is when we're in the the room the whole day that we've had chaplains come by and we've had, um, we were lucky enough and luck is a weird thing to talk about when we talk about this, but 
we, you know, we talk about how lucky we are to find this group, find these people, all those things. And it's weird to say luck because it's fucking tragedy that brings you to it. But I don't know that it was luck either. No. Because we were searching for anything to survive. But, so we were. But what it was is our hospital is a Rachel's Gift Hospital. Yeah. And so our nurses were trained by, ner- by Rachel's Gift. And so they knew what to say. They knew what to do. They did everything right. Um, and they, Rachel Skiff gives a box for memories with your child. So instead of bringing your baby out, you bring a fucking box. But that box is everything. And it's more than they would ever have otherwise. Yeah. And uh, so, but it, you know, they went through all of the stuff, all the pamphlets that that they came with for Rachel's gift and um you know um all the John all the stuff John was talking about at the beginning about all the stuff that comes in it. We have all of those things um for Maeve and uh it's something. It's something. It's we're very grateful and appreciative. Yeah. Um, but uh I think go back and just kind of keep going on about Maeve and things that um, suck that people don't know about. So we were told all this and had to go through this and then things that people don't think about is like, oh, you know, this is what I know of my first child is this experience. Yeah. I don't know what it's like to hold a baby who is isn't limp, who isn't so heavy. Yeah. I'm so heavy that you can't pick her up because it's so much emotional weight and there's no support at all. I don't know what. You don't know what it's like to hear cries in the labor and delivery room because all you hear is silence. Silence. And, and you know, you don't think... It, you, know, you, you don't the, think about it, but it's... You, you hear the nurses, you hear the doctors, you hear each other. You hear the monitors, or, well, the same monitors. It's not heart monitors, it's... And despite everything, you're still listening for that one thing that you've never heard. You've never heard. And... I know now that um, well I'll change what I'm saying but basically you listen for her to cry you still think you still think at one point I had like a quick half a second half a five second headache attack like what if they rush her over there and give her CPR yeah. and use the uh, paddles The paddles on it? Yeah. And this is even, but then, you know, you're just trying to. You're trying to you're trying undo to, something that's yeah. already done. And you're trying also, you fight so many different things. And, you know, your time is limited. And so you're trying to enjoy what you have. Because it's all you have. 
but I'll never, I don't know what it's like to hold my baby and her, uh, her for example, one thing that I hate is that the way that her head felt is something that I'll never forget in the way that her skull and bones felt. And I think it's because she was gone that I don't know that that's not what a baby feels like. So I don't know if a baby's head is supposed to feel... I've held my nieces and nephews, but I don't remember, but I'll never forget the way that specifically bones in her head. I don't know if it's because of our doctor helping keep Veronica safe during delivery or what, or if that's normal. I've not really talked with anybody about it yet, but besides me, so, I don't know. So I don't think that that's the case. That May's head felt um there's yeah, you can feel uh so my point of saying that without going into so much more detail is that I'll I don't know I know what it's like to hold Maeve and how she felt and I don't like that and I love it. It's you, so yeah. much pain feeling that and just being like feeling her skull move the way that it did because she's gone and knowing how fucking wrong it is. Yeah. And knowing that I know that, that this is something that other people are privileged not to know. Yeah. But they should know a little detail about it. I'll never forget that. And the way that... So Veronica has mentioned to me that she wished that wishes that she could have seen her eyes. I got to see her eyes with one of her eyes. And I'm glad that Veronica didn't get to. Because I, I, I can compartmentalize, and I'm sure Veronica would be fine if she did. But her eyes were glazed over. They were gray. Were light blue. They were not alive eyes. I think that anybody listening to this has a very vivid picture of what I'm talking about. And that's the first image I got to see of my daughter's eyes. Because when she had her eyes closed, she looked like she was just sleeping. And so... At this point, I don't remember if I looked, if I opened her eyelid or not. But I, I do remember. She did have her knowing, eyes open when they handed her to us, but I just. I think I, I looked and I think I closed them. Yeah. I think I remember yeah. doing that. But I don't know for sure. Okay. And But I do remember that detail. So after they had moved her from our, my, my, my chest to give her a bath, Shane went to the bathroom and. They were talking about cutting the additional cork off. And I said, can you please wait 
and see when Shane gets out if he wants to cut the cord. Um, Because that was something we'd always talked about. And Shane... So I got out of the bathroom. I I could hear them, but it was kind of hard at the same time. And you're fighting, crying, your nose is stopped up, you can't breathe right, and you're in this state of, you know, just trying to be functional at that time. And they ask whether I want to do this. And the answer is yes, but I don't know if I can. For one, I'm barely able to stand. Barely able to stand. And I, but I told him, I was like, you need, you need to do this. This is. Well, I knew that I was going to yeah. try. And I took it slow, took some deep breaths, and figured out whether or not I could go over there. And I uh, I got to cut the cord. I didn't. After a little bit, I was okay. Then in regards to I didn't think I was going to pass out or I thought I was going to be able to tell them if I was about to. <laughs> and so I got to cut Dave's cord. Um, they had it clamped. And, yeah. Um, and so they gave her her first bath after that, put her in the onesie, we brought her and um, brought her back to us. And then um, they asked if we wanted, there's a program called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, which I don't know if you guys have talked about, um, but it's, um, they came um, and, uh, and our chaplain came to baptize May. And, uh, you know, we got some, Wonderful pictures. Um, so um, I don't know that. I don't know whether or not we would have immediately have had her baptized, or if we would have oh, waited. No. Not, not in the hospital <laughs> by somebody we didn't know. It would have so been we our were, preacher we'd known that married us would have yeah, baptized our that our was daughter. Likely how we would go. But we didn't have any other choices, and yeah. this is something that we wanted and. We didn't know if we wanted, but we knew that it was our only chance. Yeah. And so we had her baptized. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's now like 3 a.m. on the 27th, I guess. Um, And we're finally trying to wind down to try and get some sort of sleep. and uh, they offer us what's called a cuddle cot, um, which is essentially a bassinet with a cooling system um, in order to allow us to have more time with me. It sucks. It sucks. Because it changes something to when Maeve arrives. When Maeve arrived, she was warm. Yeah. When she was with you. And, and she's warm. And it's not, it's not okay, but it's not, it's not something that you think about mm-hmm. until you, you know that you need more time. Yeah. And so we needed the cuddle cot. We knew that what it was going to do, the, the nurses and others explained it to us. that. It well, was and uh, the lady who, who 
who had coached us, us the day before, day before she said, she said, you'll, she like said, you'll want to ask for it. You'll want it. You'll want You'll likely want more time. And this is a way that you can have more time. Mm-hmm. And so... And, we, you know, a lot of hospitals don't have these. We got, as we said, we got lucky to get one of these. Um, which is kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But it's like... Because it in and of itself is hard, but so helpful. Yeah. But um, it lowers Maeve's temperature. Mm-hmm. Well, it lowers your baby's temperature and slows the process of her leaving us, her body leaving us. And it allows us to have more time. It doesn't stop it, but it slows it. And it allows us to have more time. And because the, the this, crazy thing is you're not ready for, you're not ready to walk out those doors. Like, you're, no way. there's, you don't, you don't, you think you have so much more time. And you, if, unless you've been through it, you think people are crazy to stick around with, with essentially your dead child, but it's the only moments you have and. And you feel like you have to have them. Um, and we needed the cuddle cot because otherwise we wouldn't have had our parents be able to see um, our daughter Maeve, um, their granddaughter, because they broke, when I say broke, COVID protocol, um, to allow both sets of parents at different days. They didn't, I don't know that they broke bend. Bend the the rules, I guess, is the best one. During this intense time in a, not a small town, but they they allowed a set of grandparents to help grieve their grandchild. And that is important to me, and it's important to Veronica, and I suspect that her grandparents are very thankful that they got to hold their grandchild for the only time they got to probably only one time each maybe a few yeah. more times but well, they each held her once and they weren't asked to leave or anything no. they stayed for a couple hours but it was a ticking clock and we didn't want all of our time to be with our parents while yeah. we were with Maeve and so we got a little bit of time the cuddle cot helps so much but if you're going to use one there's things you need to know about it your daughter or son will be cold and so you'll know what it means to feel your cold daughter in your arms to kiss your daughter and it's cold it's you know colder than Even if you're sitting on a cold winter night, it's colder than that. And I mean, it's December, and you've never felt skin that cold. And I don't know that, I don't remember, it didn't surprise us. I don't know if it helped us cope or what, 
but it's a thing and we didn't know about it before and I don't know how many people know about it but those are things that we know and that's our reality now mm-hmm. um, but if you're listening to this podcast then maybe our story will help you know that you're not alone or that something um so one of the other things that i wanted to talk about in this was that it was very hard for me to pick up Maeve, my daughter and i needed help to do that and that's okay um and we had nurses that would come every time we called mm-hmm. to move her from the cuddle cot to me, from me to Shane, from Shane to the cuddle cot, or wherever we wanted her to be at. And that's not something I've done. I have done a lot that I'm proud of over this situation, and I'm not. Um, I've been able to do a lot that if asked before this, I would say basically, and you know, even now, um, you don't I, don't, you <laughs> I don't know how I had the strength to do, or not the strength, but I don't know, that wasn't the right word, but basically I don't know how I did certain things, and I don't know how anybody does them, and they just have to be done. But one of the things that I could not do is I could not pick up my daughter. I could hold her. I could sit with her. I could love on her. I could kiss her. I could, if I was holding, like if she was in my arms, holding her, I was sitting in a chair, I could pick her up and kiss her on the cheek. I could could, lower myself down. I head down and give her a kiss, but if she was in the cuddle cot or with Veronica or anybody else, I could not pick her up. And so just the way that she felt, the way that the situation was. It was picking up emotion and physically. I suppose if there was a fire... And I had to. I could have. But maybe not. I don't really know. But. I think that if. At one point I tried. I tried multiple times. Just to be like. Oh maybe I could. I don't have to call the nurse in. To have her help me. Hold me. And. I would briefly try. And. It would get to the point where I thought, and this was quick, but I would get my hand under her and start to pick her up like I've done uh, niece or nephew. And I would stop because I basically thought, anymore, and I'm gone. I don't have anything more. I've never reached a point in my life where I did not have more. And that was the one of the times that I didn't have more. And I, you know, think about it, look back, and that's a limit. I had nothing more. 
and I could not pick her up. So, uh, that's okay. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I had no. nothing for her. No. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to say it is just so that I could say it. Because nobody's ever heard me say that before. And the other reason I wanted to say it is that it's okay. It's okay. Um, that there's nothing wrong with If you are at that point and this particularly resonates with you, I'm sorry. We had nothing more. and We did everything that we could, but we had nothing more. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was important for me to say that for myself and for those that might hear that. Um, so we've talked about the cuddle pot. We've talked about um, some other things that I wanted to talk about. Um, I think that really, you know, there's all kinds of more details that we could give. Oh, yeah. We're leaving uh, out, and I know you're probably thinking, well, damn, this is over two hours, like, almost getting three hours, like, and you're missing details. Like, we're leaving out so much that, like, it's either too hard to say or just not the right words or not the right timing to say it. Um, but we've gone over the 27th. We never, and, and then I guess comes next is the 28th um, when we are... We have decided that this is the day that we will leave the hospital. We knew. Um, we Maeve knew. knew. Maeve was telling us that it was time and that we needed. We woke up. We knew that this day was the day that we would leave the hospital. And that Maeve would not be with us when we left. Yeah. And, you know, the thing they don't tell you about is you're sitting and we're sitting in labor um, or we're when we're in labor, they're asking us what funeral home do we want to use? Um, how do we want that process to go? And um, they're like, where do you live? And luckily, our nurses were amazing and looked up hospitals for us. And, and they might have also been the lady who was part of the organization that we were with. Looked up funeral homes for us that would cremate our child for free. Um, and all we had to do was buy the urn. Um, Not that that was anything that we were concerned about. But no, but it's... There was, there was a support network that helped us. Helped us through it. And there were small... No, not small. There were huge, enormous steps that were taken... That we didn't us. know about. Or what we knew about, but not at the time that they were occurring. So, on the 28th, we um, we woke up and were thinking that, okay, today's the day that we... We have to say our goodbye. final goodbye. And I don't remember what time we woke up, but I knew that in our heads... We were thinking that... We'd leave around, around lunch. That didn't happen. 
Did uh, our parents come? Your, see her that day? I your know your parents came. Our parent, my parents came on the twenty seventh. His parents came the morning of the twenty eighth. And um, so they got. She got to meet. Um, and you know, I think babe, about it now. But, they brought a dozen donuts. Very black donuts. Yeah. So, um, but um, so they um. So we knew that we knew that this was our last day, and that um, we had talked with the nurse about okay, what happens next? Yeah. And is and, this a situation where I say, okay, I'm ready? Is this all taken care of? Do I need to take care of it? And so, uh, I did. I took. I called the, the funeral. The lady who helped us before had set some things up and said, okay, I can call them. I can get everything set up, but you, you have, have to call, to call and, confirm. and confirm. And so I called. This was, um, and I talked with them and just said, okay, there's a couple things that I know that we're going to want based off of the conversations that we'd had the last couple days. It's like, um, Things you never imagined. Are there ways for us to get either cremation jewelry or something like that? And they said, yes, we can do that. I said, okay. Uh, and we talked about a couple things and, and basically said, okay, um, I will call you or I will have somebody call you when we're ready. Yeah. And, and so the, the rest of the day we're after your family's left, we're, we're making sure we get our last moments, making sure we have everything. And our nurse that, our, we had two nurses that had been with us since the 25th, and one of them, it was her day off. And uh, we told the one that was with us, like, hey, we didn't get um, this set of handprints. And, you know, um, she's like, well, I'm not good at that, but the one that, that's not here is. And she's like, and I'll call and, you know, so they surprised us with her coming back, and and um, which gave me the opportunity to tell her like there was no way in hell I was delivering Maeve without her by my side. And if she hadn't stayed those extra two three hours after her shift, I was waiting till the next morning because she had been there the whole time. And you know she gave me her number, and we've been in contact and talked about you know. Um, Things and we've told her we're going to Rachel's gift support group. And, um, you know, she she was amazing. And I mean, they both were. They both have a lasting impression on me that I couldn't thank them enough for what they've done. So, um, seconds turned to minutes, and minutes turned to hours. And we still weren't ready. And, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, you know, you you had a dress on. You were, there was really no reason for you, us to stay another night at the hospital. And finally and, taken a shower. Yeah. And, and Maeve needed to go, but we weren't ready yet. Huh. And. Can you said we were ready we weren't we weren't ready and so we stayed and we stayed and we stayed until 
Um, we got closer and closer to being, you know, what as close as you can get to being ready. And so as this happened, Maeve, she slowly, no, okay, we can delete that. Um, but, you know, so they, when we tell our head nurse we're ready, um, they're like, okay, well, we're not sure if you'll be able to get everything we send to the funeral home back. So let's go ahead and get her in the same fucking clothes every baby goes and has on in the hospital, um, which is fine, but sucks because it's like you see them on every fucking Facebook photo. And, uh, you know, we take more pictures and we spend more time after they changed her into the hospital onesie. And, um, you know, we uh, spend more time with her and then... Finally, it's at the point where, you know, we know that we've got to, so our head nurse asked us, um, we had two choices. Essentially, we could be there and hand Maeve off to the funeral home, or... Or we could um, allow the person who's been taking care of us for the last couple days, our our now, and friend... Somebody we know and who has been very compassionate with us. Take take, take that on. Yeah, to, to essentially, it felt like you were handing her off to a babysitter instead of handing her off to strangers. to strangers. And so we thought about it, talked about it, and decided that the way that we wanted to do that was to not see anybody from the funeral that day we didn't want to know or see or and it felt like that felt right she she even told us she said you know i'm glad you're saying that because like you i think this is the best way and uh so she puts mave in this roll away to um, take her out of the room uh, before we leave. She gets to the doorway and I, I'm like, no, no, she can't. Like, I'm not ready yet. Um, and we have just a few more minutes. But uh, and I give her two more kisses and then I just almost collapse in Shane's arms as she's walking out the door with her. And I know, like, I just want to turn her. I just want everything to turn around. Like, I want Chiro to come back in. Like, I just, I don't want her to walk away. But I know, I know I have to. I have to let me go. Like, I can't keep her any longer. I kept her longer than I, longer than I should have. And it was time, and I knew it. But... Man, it sucked. Um, it then it was horrible. Then the next bit is, um, you know, getting us out of the hospital. And they're like, you know, do you want to walk out of the hospital? And I'm thinking, well, I'm fine. I can walk. But I don't know. Maybe I should just get in the wheelchair. And so I got in the wheelchair. And 
the well, further we yeah. made it down that hallway, the further I realized I should have been in it. I should be in that fucking wheelchair. There's no way I could have walked out. Yeah, every the further we got, the harder the, it became for you. Because our OBGYN office is in the same building, so we're walking out the same doors I've walked in for nine months. And uh, our nurses insisted that you be in the wheelchair, yeah. that that was the right call. It was. And, uh, I mean, they told me I could walk if I really wanted to, but they didn't want to. Yeah, so <sighs> I go out, I, get the I, car. Because I'm that person that I, I want to be strong. Like, I'm I'm that person that, like, you don't tell me what to do. It's, you know, it's. Well, anyways. But, uh, but I needed somebody to say, you don't have to be, you don't have to be strong. You just get this well trained, get the fuck out of the hospital. And it's all, then, then it's not all over, <laughs> but it's on to the next part of all this. I know that we're coming to the end of what we're going to tell tonight. Um, I'm not really sure how much more well we should tell. There's a few there's, more things, but I mean, it really comes to the next day on the 29th when we're at the funeral home choosing things. And that's the, you know, hard and, you know, they're you know, they're asking for her name, and I still have not been able to say it out loud to anybody but Shane. And Shane's taking that and saying it. And, um, and, you know, we're signing paperwork to have her cremated. We're signing paperwork for the urn and for the fingerprints and all this, or handprints and footprints and all of that. And, um, we're doing things that we don't even understand yeah. or how to do. We're thinking about them and doing what we know is right, but it's still just kind of like shit. I don't even know at what point we got out of shock. No, I suppose probably three weeks later. Prob- probably I don't, I don't know because then I, we were. I think it depends. I think it depends on the day. There are days that I'm still in freaking denial. Yeah, it's, I see. There, there are days that you, you're like, 2020 was shit anyway, so this last year didn't could, fucking exist. Yeah, it could have easily been just the last month, the last couple of weeks, because, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, it's just like, I know I went to work a lot, and I did things in between here and there, but, oh, it's May. Oh, no, it's yeah. April. It's, it's almost freaking May. But it's, it's and today, as we're recording this, May or May would have been four fucking months old. Today. Today. A few hours based off when she was delivered. Yeah. She would have been four months old. And that is weird because just the time frame doesn't match up. It's no, time to, changed for us. For for and for us, it's still fucking December 26th. Majority of the time. There are days that it doesn't feel like it. But there are days that it's still December 26th at 10.03. And, which is weird. It's so weird. 
six months ago. Can't fucking wait like half a fucking year. Shit. Shit. It's crazy how that's possible in that time. It's just like. Because when you have kids, and you'll hear it a million times, people say the days are long, but the years are short. Because some days it's still October 29th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other days it's really October 28th. Like, that can't have happened. It can't <laughs> be real. It can't be my life. That doesn't happen to me. Right? It, it's like, you know, the thing that. Oh, our 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 dog is over here trying to get in Nick's lap because she's like I know she's upset, um, but you know, uh, uh, we are so close. Uh, our our gestation period was so close that, like, you sit there and you're like, how the fuck does this happen to somebody in their third fucking trimester? Like, how is this even fucking possible? How is it, why is it me? Why, you know? And I mean, we've had this conversation probably a hundred times. And with John and Nick and everybody in our, our group at Rachel's Gift and I never get, never gets answered. I mean, there's no answer. There's no fucking way to answer it, but. One thing that I always think about when I think about this situation is that um, it feels like Shane and Veronica died that day. Yeah. And that we are something and we're people that resemble are here and that we resemble them. We strongly resemble them. But we got disassembled and rebuilt and things are not in the same place. And just at some level, fundamentally, those people died. And and I know Well you you know you expect I know that that's true. Yeah. To some point is that those people yeah. And they basically got disassembled and reassembled in that. Well, you expect. We are here now. Yeah. And. And we're. That's about all I can say. Yeah. I mean, you expect a baby to change you. But, and, you know, when you lose a baby, it changes you. And. You know, when we started Rachel's Gift, people said, you know, the old you is gone. And I was like, that's some bullshit. 
no, the old me's not going anywhere. Like that person, I'm going to get her back. And now, so like, you're not only grieving the potential you had, you're grieving your baby and you're grieving your old self because that person is never going to be able to go through a pregnancy again in the same blissfulness that you just went through. Um, and that person is no longer naive or that person was naive. You are no longer naive. You're no longer ignorant. Yeah. You're no longer so. You're, you... I describe it as the, as the, the John and Nick that exist today on our good days were, were clones, cheap carbon copy. That's similar to what Shane but says. On our, on our worst days, we're a shadow. shadow. We're a shadow. I like that. Yeah. We're we're either out in front of us or we're behind us, but it's this distorted, yeah, dark figure, mm-hmm. and it's. I've only and, really and people don't get that. No, they don't get it, and. And I use this line a lot. Yeah, Yeah. you do. You do, and we do. Yeah. And I use this line a lot. Thank God they don't. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, Shane says similar thing. He says, um, our friends are seeing people that resemble their friends when they look at us. They're like, those those resemble Shane and Veronica. And it's like... And they can be friends with those guys. Yeah, yeah. It's not. But you also have to but remember. you and I. Yeah. We know the difference. Yeah. There, I mean, I don't know if some people pick up on the difference. Um, and and that's fine. Like, if you don't pick up on the difference, that's fine. Like, I'm not expecting you to pick up on every little thing that's changed in the last, you know, four months. But, because um, mm-hmm. I, I do a good job of sometimes hiding it. Sure. and And that's sometimes how I want it to be. Like. I, I don't want you to see the new person. I want you to see the old person, and that's how it's going to be. But there are times where you probably will see a glimpse of, of me, the new yeah, me. I, I, Shane and I talk about this tonight, that, and Luke, that as a, for a chemist. Yeah. Um, people in the sciences. Yeah. The, the, the base level you... The, the person that you were and the, the morals you have and, and, and I don't, and the beliefs, but I don't mean the beliefs in spirituality, just yeah. the beliefs in how you treat people and mm-hmm. how you interact and, and how you, you go to work and you are with your dog or whatever. <laughs> Those haven't changed, mm-hmm. but the, the spikes in the matrix aren't in the same place anymore. Yeah, you've been even filed down, moved around, and, and some of those core beliefs, your morals, your ethics, your whatever, they do change I agree. because your priorities change. Yeah. Well, like you know, if I don't get to work today, fuck it. Yes, yeah. and it's like we're people, as we said at the beginning of this, we fucking love our jobs, but there are days now that I'm like, I don't think I can fucking be around those around. People, I don't think I can be me for three hours or four I hours or eight I hours. I can put on that mask that looks yeah. like me yeah. and deal with all this. Because I do think the people, all of us are a whole other separate thing. Mm-hmm. We get our own category that doesn't have a fucking title. Yeah. 
Please. But the people that we've surrounded ourselves with, even if they, we just call them friends, they can't grieve the way we do. Mm-mm. But they grieve the loss of the person they knew and loved. Yeah. It's the ones that can't deal with who the new version is that I have the biggest problem with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Because I can't fake it for me. Yeah. Like I'm I'm fine faking it for some people and and But what if but, you get tired? But there are yeah, and it's like there are days I'm gonna break down. There are days that I'm not gonna be able to do it. And I know that. Um and there are days that I haven't. Like there are days that Luckily, I'm I am virtual sometimes and in person sometimes. And there's time I'm virtually, I can't turn my camera on. I'm still in my PJs and I'm just barely making it up in the morning to get on that computer to to be in those those meetings and um and whenever I'm not talking, I'm sitting there just trying not to cry. I've you know from my perspective I have to make a choice every day of what comes first yeah do I come first does Veronica come first does work come first does Sadie come first does <laughs> Allie our cat does school come first and and, and you, some days I only have enough for one stuff. or two or one mm-hmm. or none or yeah that's okay too yeah I mean Saturdays for us are Awful. Awful now. Because that's, that's the day that, um, that we, that we, well, that's the day we lost her. Yeah. Or that, that she was delivered. And so, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, you know, I can't, there are Saturdays I can't get out of bed. And it's weird because oftentimes you don't know what day it is. Yeah. So it's several yeah. months afterwards. And I will go to work. And on the way to work, I'll think, oh, man, it's it's uh, Monday. I got a whole week of this, and it's not Monday. It's Thursday. Yeah. And this weekend, at one point, I thought, like, oh, I can't believe I'm, I'm skipping work. I know. I thought the same thing. And I don't have work this week. Yeah. I'm not working this yeah. weekend. So. Another thing, like, you I just don't, don't have enough. You don't. No. You don't have the brain capacity. Well, and you don't have the give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, one thing, I'm not explaining that to anybody, so learn. <laughs> I don't think people realize how many decisions come up in a day. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? When are you going to leave? What are you going to drive? Yeah. It's it's. What route are you going to take? Constant. Are you going to take the same fucking route you took while you were pregnant? Yeah. Are you going to drive by the hospital? Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. It's, and it's, and they're not big decisions. No. They're just, t- it's shit that. Are you going to have coffee this morning? Like. Yes. Really? Yeah. Uh, are you going to eat this? Are you going to eat no? breakfast or no? Yeah. That's a big one for me. Are you going to go? Starts with, are you going to be out of bed? Yeah. So I was going to say that. Am I gonna stay awake? Am I just gonna go back to sleep? No, yeah. I could do it. I could. Yeah. I could at least lay in bed. I could at least lay in bed and just try to sleep. Put on some mind-numbing YouTube video and just 
not yeah. to not deal with mm-hmm. some things. I've done it. Yeah, we all have. There's a there's days that we that we don't deal with it, and then the day after it's like, fuck, why the hell didn't I deal with it? Because now it's worse. And then you deal with somebody, and then you have a good day. Yeah, deal with somebody, Mm -hmm. and they tell you something like, oh wow, you're doing so great, and it's like, fuck you, I'm not like. Oh, I was. Yeah. I was having a decent day until you said, oh man, you're doing so well, and it's like, or. You know, I've gotten the comment of, oh, wow, you know, you're you're back at work and you're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck else do you want me to do? Be fucking on the side of the street homeless? Like, I have no damn choice. Now, I, I say that and, you know, we're really lucky with our jobs and people that we've been with are supportive as all get out. I mean, we had a meal train for my job for they did it to where we had gift cards to supply us until now. And we had meals that they brought by for almost a month and a half. Yeah. And uh, and anytime they say like, can you, if you can't make this meeting, that's okay. Like, call me up. I'll do it. Like, don't like no hesitation, no questions asked. And you know, ten years from now, you still need it. I don't give a shit. Just tell me. I'll be there. I'll do it. And to have people like that, that they don't get it, but they get it. It. It's and I feel like giving that shout out, giving that praise where yeah. we feel like it's due is awesome, but at the same time, yeah. Think how you would treat somebody if their grandpa died. Yeah, they called you and said, "I'm gonna take some time off my grandpa pass." Are this isn't this is not the same. No. Because that makes sense. This is infinitely worse. So it's hard for me. It's not that I don't appreciate it. That's not it. And that's the thing that I keep coming back to. This isn't a lack of gratitude. It is this complete lack of... I Well, I've just made up a word for it. It's called grief etiquette. Maybe I'll write a damn book. I'd buy it. But this lack of any sense of grief etiquette. How do we treat people who are dealing with the worst shit that can happen in a human life? I, and, I, and, and like I say, it's not a lack of gratitude. I'm so grateful for all of the many amazing things that people have done and said for us. But it pisses me off that that's not just standard issue behavior. Yeah. That's not just what you do. Yeah. Because nobody talks about this. We don't deal with this because it's ugly. Guess what? It's fucking ugly for me every fucking second of every fucking day for the rest of my fucking life. Yeah. And the least you can do is educate yourself. Because it's not my job to teach you. It, educate yourself in what is most helpful. Sometimes it would be nice if you just asked me, what do you need from me? Yeah. And other times it'd be nice if you just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yes. That's true. Just say, Sorry. you know what? That's there's, blunt. I know it. There's but. nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do, but I can sit here with you. And, you know, that's what one of our nurses said. She's like, I, there's nothing else I can say, yeah. but I'm Sorry. 
And it's like, that's, that's all you need to say. Um, but, you know, talking about educating yourself. I have a friend who's been a friend for years. We've been friends since uh, the sixth grade. And she educated herself on what happened to our daughter. Yeah. Asked around and found, you know, tried to hear other stories of other moms that have lost. And, and, and reached out and was like, you know, was a support. And, and listened to everything and you know she doesn't know all of it and she did you know but she I could have told her anything and it wouldn't have mattered she would have said what she, what was right she wouldn't have said stupid shit like some people say right um and it's like because she was raised better for one mm-hmm. um and two she's that person she's that kind of person that you just have that and my sister's been that for me. Like, my sister's been the one that I call all the time. And we and I tell her things that I feel like I'm burdening her with. But there's nobody else but her and then Rachel's gift and the people there that I can tell. Because, I mean, my sister lost her niece. And so she understands. As much as she can. As much as she can. Yeah. And I mean, she doesn't understand all of it, but she sure as hell listens. No, we don't. Like, I mean, I they're you're learning something new every freaking yeah. all the time. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like the biggest takeaway. There is nothing you can say or do that can fix it. No, there are about ten godzillion things you can say and do that yes can make this worse there will be no comfort for any of us better than the comfort we find in each other through a shared experience that does not mean that we won't come to you looking for comfort in a different aspect from a different angle because you can't know unless you have lived this you can't know but you do have something to offer. Yeah. Because you know us prior to this. Right. And we're all, even though we don't know each other prior to our loss, we know each other on a level that no one else will mm-hmm. ever know us. I mean, there's things shared in Rachel's gift you can't, in our support group, that you can't share that no. people just wouldn't understand where you're coming from. Yeah, look at you like you are literally, literally insane. Yeah, you need to go to the loony bin. Yes. Um, or, oh my God, who should I call? Like, yeah. you need help. Yeah. Shit. It's like, yeah, all of us need help. But it's like, you know, but we're on Zoom and, you know, you see, you're saying something and you're seeing a hundred, not a hundred. You're seeing every screen on, on there. Just shaking their head, like, keep preaching, keep saying that. That is exactly where I'm at. Like, just, just keep saying that because that's where we are. And I've been there. I've done that. Like, I felt that way, and it's so validating. And because sometimes you say it to other people, and they just they they don't they don't say anything, which is sometimes what they need to not they need to not say anything. And sometimes they respond in a way that isn't a hundred percent. Correct. Sometimes it's close enough. Sometimes it's yeah. nowhere fucking near. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. 
but you need this group for the even with an experience today. Um, <laughs> just going in the bed. I was going insane even with an experience today. Um, we witnessed uh, two good friends. One had had this experience and one had not. And the other one was saying one thing and the other one who had had the experience was saying, no, it's, you're not, this is not the way that I see it. And I think that all of us were on the side of the other way. And yeah, I find that um, I've seen some people post something basically where they're like, I'm sorry. She's yeah, over there crawling in and out underneath the bed. One of the things I've seen people post is, uh, oh, I am. I'm honest. I'm so honest about things. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't if you can't handle my honesty, then blah blah blah. It's because whatever reason. But I find that people are more people who say that are more interested in brutal honesty. Mm-hmm. What they see as truth that hurts people. Mm-hmm. And a question that I have, and I saw somebody post this, so I'm kind of. You know, paraphrasing, but like, where is your compassionate honesty? Mm-hmm. Where is your yeah. considerate honesty? Mm-hmm. Where is your, you know, where is that? Mm-hmm. You're so, and the and the point is, they're more hung up on the brutality of it instead mm-hmm. of the love. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. Like, I agree. Once you guys have anything else you want to get out there, I want to. I think that we're basically. I mean, uh, there's, there's lots. I know there's lots. There's so much more, always, but I think. There's always more. I think really the, this, you know, this is helping us. Um, I don't know this, that there's a good place to end it, but. No, there's never, there's never a good place to end it. Good night. But, well, I'm gonna um, I'll just I'll seal this up here quick for anybody that's still listening, and I know that's all of you, because you're you're all good people. Um, so just for reference, we're working on. It's uh, it's five a.m. on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, and our flight's at eight, so that'll be fun. But um. Um. So just the last thing I want to say here, um. You know, people that have been listening to this and people that know us that have followed it, they they kind of know where we stand. And um, tonight you got to hear Shane and Veronica's story. And they talked about a lot of things that they haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. They talked about things tonight openly and transparent that they hadn't said to each other, let alone to you. So understand and appreciate the vulnerability in that. This is their story to tell. They get to keep the details. If they decide to share them, that's for all of us, and that's for all of us to help carry. So we depend on all of you to do that, too. You are now in an intimate circle. Make sure that 
you're worthy of it. Make sure you can carry it. Make sure you understand and protect it. One of the, one of the things that we've talked about in group several times is that not everybody deserves your story. Tonight, they chose to give it to you. Honor that. It's a privilege. Don't forget it. We love you all. Thanks for listening as always. Thanks for thanks for giving them time to talk about the <laughs> the legend of Queen Maeve. <laughs> and sweet Tata. Daddy loves you. Mama's trying to say Leah, but good night.